take a picture of the chicken and send it to Fresno State. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. NB Sunday, March 18th, 2012. Time for Gitmo Nation Media Assassination. This is episode 392. This is No Agenda. Dishwasher here at Camp Mofo in the capital of the Drone Star State, Austin, Texas. In the morning, everybody. I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where I remained. By the way, they stole my Saturday New York Times. I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crack and Buzzkill in the morning. Oh, what a-holes. Are those, the, is that that kids again in the neighborhood who did that? I have no those idea. Damn kids. I'm putting cameras up. <laughs> You need a rocking chair, man, and a and shotgun. I got a camera running. I got you kids calling the police. Ah, exactly. Exactly. That's that's lame, man, when someone does that, when they steal your paper. I used to do it all the time. Really? Well, yeah, this, just, there's just your karma. karma getting back at yeah, me. I was going to say, there's your karma. You deserve it. Uh, well, it's Sunday there, John. In the morning to you. Sunday there, too, in the morning to you, Adam Curry. In the morning to all ships at sea, boots on the ground, feet in the air. And I'm happy to see, uh, once again, a whole bunch of human resources in the chat room. Noagendastream.com, noagendachat.net. Uh, nice to have you all around, groovy, and uh, charged up and ready to go as we have yet another two and a half hours, at least, of media assassination lined up for you. And that is indeed what we do, is media assassination uh, and I'm ref- I'm looking at you, person who accused me of being racist against China- Chinese people. <laughs> Did you catch that one? <laughs> He's like, hey, man, I know what you're doing. He hates you, that guy. When you say Chiners, that's like saying niggers. I'm like, Ugh, really? How did where did we even come up with that? Wasn't that because people in Congress were pronouncing it like that? The Chiners? Yeah, it was those Southerners. Uh, yeah. Southern- yeah, if anything, we're making fun. couldn't say China. If anything, we're making China. We're making fun of the Chiners. The Chiners. Chiners. It just sounds Chiners, Chiners. Yeah, and it's a lot It's a lot less wasted bandwidth by saying Chiners instead of Chinese. That's like two syllables. And that was just one. Yeah, you're a racist pig. Yeah, that would be me. So did you see it? Did you see that whole Reddit thing he made? Yeah. Like, really? Wow. Well, some there's some some people out there that don't uh, don't get it. <laughs> well, they don't get it. Well, that's probably true. They don't, they don't get the joke, man. Hey, dude, how cool was that Coney? Dude, dude, how cool is that Coney guy flipping out? I have the the best clip of it I could find. Did you see the seven minute version? No, but played my Coney dude goes berserk, and there's a little. T- tell me at the where. Tell me if you can deconstruct this. This came from Al Jazeera, so it's from overseas, right? Yeah. Tell me if you can deconstruct where supposedly he started masturbating. (laughs) The man behind the popular online video calling for the arrest of Ugandan rebel leader Joseph Kony has been detained and taken to hospital in the U.S. Jason Russell and his charity Invisible Children made the film Kony 2012. Witnesses say he was seen naked and screaming at drivers in San Diego in in California. His group says the controversy surrounding the video has taken an emotional toll on Russell. 
Several residents in the neighborhood were very concerned about a uh, male that they described as a white male in his late 20s that was acting strangely. Um, there were various stages of undress that were described, you know, that he was wearing underwear, that he was naked, that kind of thing, that he was running into the roadway, that he was interfering with traffic, screaming, and that kind of thing. Officers responded to the welfare check, did contact the man, and uh, he was no problem for the police department. However, during the evaluation with him, we did learn that we probably needed to take care of him, so the officers detained him and transported him to a local medical facility for further evaluation and treatment. Hold on, let me do that kind of thing. So uh, I'm doing that kind of thing right now. That kind of yeah, thing. Right. So what what do you no, I don't think don't you did you hear when you think the transition was? I think that he was running around naked like a nut. Well, did you see? And then when they arrested him and brought him in for questioning, I think that's when he started to masturbate. Because no, 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 no. If you look at the seven-minute version, uh, and and granted, it's hard to tell if it's him because it's uh, it's shot out of a window. So you know, you don't know for sure, but it it fits all the descriptions of what is, you know, what everyone agrees he was doing was running around naked, doing weird (laughs) stuff. I mean, he's literally. There's like seven cars, and he jumps from rooftop to rooftop to rooftop, and he falls on the ground, and then a neighbor comes out and pops him in the head. But at the beginning of that video, (laughs) the beginning of that video, he literally sits on the back of a car on a trunk, spreads his legs wide, and is jerking off. But more like a, look at me, look at me. Not not like like trying to achieve anything. I didn't see that. Okay, you win. Uh, Yeah, oh yeah. No, it's a real winner. Trust me. <laughs> so what's the deal? What do you think? This is a besides being a distraction. We know that oh, there's yeah. no what oh, there's, controversy surrounding the video, except that it's that his numbers are bogus. Well, there's a couple. Well, so there's a couple things. First of all, I feel I feel bad because if you look into his history and his wiki page, by the way, is pretty much clean. You know, there's nothing on it, really. But if you go back and you look at the Invisible Children website, you'll see that since 2003, This guy has been trying to, you know, he comes from a show business family. He studied in dance. You know, he's uh, he's basically, you know, he's been trying to be a celebrity famous. And he's really like a Disney kid. So, you know, like MK Ultra type stuff. You know, he has the Justin Bieber haircut. Uh, Have you seen any of the videos where they do like he's in the he's in the band doing the choreographed dancing with like a Britney Spears type thing? Yeah, I did see that. That's sad. You know, that's like that's like pathetically sad. And what I think is that because, it, you know, I think that the clues lie in what Clooney is doing and how he's responding to that. That That's what I think is is really uh, where we see that this was not supposed to happen. And there's basically two ways you can go in, quote, unquote, Hollywood, three ways. Um, you can go the way that uh, George Clooney does it. Which is he's distanced himself from the hookers and the and the drugs and the crap and uh, and he's just not falling for that. So he's on a much much higher level, but he still has to do what they want him to do if he wants to you know stay George Clooney. So he said you know I'm gonna I'm gonna change this. I'm gonna make it high tech. I'm gonna go in there. I'm gonna do uh, the movie in the desert. You know then you have the uh, the like Lady Gaga's and the, actually Rihanna. Did you? I can't believe I'm saying this, but she was on Access Hollywood. The what? Oh yeah, I know, I know. Well, it, it caught my eye. I'm like Rihanna about Coney on Access Hollywood. I got to listen to this. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the last time we saw Rihanna in public was when she was doing an exorcism 
um, uh, you know, uh, half a day after Whitney Houston died, and everyone celebrated that at Clive Davis's Illuminati party. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a pretty weird thing she was doing there at the Grammys. And to this day, no one has come up with an explanation. What the hell is that? She says she has an alter ego. She's got this, uh, this kid inside of her, and she's twisted. So she's clearly there to promote Coney on Access Hollywood because the interviewer, three minutes before I cut out this little piece, she's like, well, you're doing a film, right? You're doing a film, right? You do, and, and, of course, Rihanna's too stupid. She's doped up or whatever. And finally, she comes out and she talks about what she's going to be doing. So she is part of the uh, basically the the Jason, you know, the Jason Russell side of doped up celebrities who are uh, on board with the program to stay famous. And now she's joined Twitter just to help the cause and for to get the youth involved with something like that. I'd love to be. Some, I'd love to be an outlet, something that can help spread the word. Even if it's to the four, 14 million fans on Twitter, I'd love to do that. And the Coney 2012 Foundation, the Invisible Children campaign, it's, it's such a powerful, strong message. And it's something that I, I really want to get involved in, not just on the surface, but I want to get my hands really dirty with that. Oh, yeah. She, John, she wants to get her hands really dirty in this. Ooh, now, now you have my interest, Rihanna. That project. So I'm planning on going to Uganda later on this year, even if it's for a day or two. Just I got to get my hands really dirty. I'm going to stay in the hotel for a day or two, and I'm probably going to you know, like go on the little safari, the organized trip, and, uh, and go talk to some kids for the film. To really spend some time with the victims and, and, and really suss out the whole situation. And possibly make a film because I know you possibly make a film. You're gonna make. Come on, talk about the film. That's why I got the camera here. Make the film. Absolutely, the Invisible sus. Children. Did she say sus? Oh, she sus says, out. I oh, mean, she, wasn't that from the sixties no, or something? Well, she's from Barbados. She says all kinds of weird stuff. There's there's a funny one coming up. Also been reaching out to me about doing a film. Oh, so they've been reaching out to me. Okay. So, it's something that I would love to do, and that's why I really want to go to Uganda so we can really. I want to make it mine. I want to make it something fresh. I want to make it something new. <laughs> I'll make it fresh. I want to make it something new, something we've never seen before. Let me think. How about this for a script? A celebrity with black children. Yeah, that's fresh, Rihanna. That's going to be great. You can tweet about it all day. But something very, very powerful and something that speaks to the youth and the people of the world. And that would come out later this year. You said you were going there, possibly? Later on this year. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. can't be past this year. This year has right. only just started, so. No, because past this year will be too late. we got to get the troops in. AFRICOM's got to go this year. We have to do what we can right now. Regardless of the backlash, um, uh-huh. a lot of people associate invisible children with finding Kony. Getting Kony famous is not really about Kony himself. Oh, really? The government is dealing with that. Ah. Um, Obama has signed on to helping with that, so that's completely out of our hands. No, he's on right board. Right now, what I'm really interested in and what I'm working with Invisible Children on is really helping the victims. There are thousands. There's so many people. Oh, the children. And children. Yeah, of this- children. Okay. So that's you know, it. Uh, yeah. First of all, I think the other thing you forgot to mention is that. Um, Clooney is smart enough, or maybe he doesn't have a choice, to have a handler with him at all times. In yes, fact, yes. when he went before Congress, if you saw it on C-SPAN, he's yeah. given his exact same speech that he had rehearsed on various talk shows. Yep. And there he was, sitting in front of Congress, and right next to him... Pendergrast. 
Prendergrass, yeah. right next to him, always right next to him. Well, so here, here's how I know that this was, this is, so this kid is Jason, and again, I'm just going to feel bad for him, because he's on the level of a Rihanna-type mind-controlled idiot. Um, he freaked out, and so, you know. But what do you think he freaked out over? Whatever drugs are given him. He, you know, I have reports, that, <laughs> whatever, I have reports that he's been, like, that he's been ordering hookers, you know, and this is like Hollywood you know, uh, gutter press type stuff. It's all going to come out. You watch. The guy was, you know, hookers left and right. And uh, this was an LSD trip. This, look, when I'm exhausted and I'm dehydrated, I, you have to see this this long video. It's in the show notes, 392.nashownotes.com. I mean, the guy, oh, so it's a total. I think I'll take some acid. It was either, like, <laughs> I think I'll smoke some PCP. I mean, it could, and whatever it was, it was definitely not just exhaustion. There's no way. This, yeah, I mean, no, the, the no, guy was like a superhero, out. and he, you know, the, this other guy's coming out. He's knocking him in the face for jumping on his car. He's like, "Screw you!" And he wasn't in his underpants. He was naked. Let me say one other thing. Nice ass. I have to admit, the guy had a good-looking butt. You just make a note of that. Yeah. <laughs> so here's how I know that it wasn't supposed to happen because this is being brought up now in every single interview that Clooney is doing. And Clooney's on GPS with our friend, the anti-constitutional uh, Farid Zakaria, the Pakistani. Uh, and when and this and I also saw him on Meet the uh, Meet the Press, but it wasn't interesting, so I didn't clip that. But when the question comes up, then Prendergast jumps in to answer. So this is you know, and you see Clooney looking over like. That's your cue, man. I'm not supposed to talk about this. That that one went wrong. I'm doing my job. I know what I'm supposed to do. So here it comes on Fareed Zakaria's show. Let me ask you about another war criminal. Uh, <laughs> another war criminal, huh? Coney. Uh, this video that's come out by now, I don't know, 150 million people. Oh, now we have 150 million. It's amazing. And by the way, New York Times, who just blatantly say, oh, 100 million people. What kind of fact checking did they do on that? Did they call up YouTube? Did they or they just look at the number and say, yep, there got to be a hundred million right there. You know, does anyone really check these numbers? And we just say, oh, it's OK. It's, it says it right there. hundred million views must be right. So now it's one hundred and fifty, according to Fareed Zakaria. Even more people than watch your movies. Uh, <laughs> that okay. means wait a minute, that means every that's it's such a ludicrous number. Yeah, it doesn't it, like it doesn't make any logical sense. I mean, if somebody gets 10 million views on YouTube, you know, that's a lot. I mean, that assumes an X number of people, percentage of the public public in general. I mean, there are there are whole groups of people who never saw just saying that every other person in the United States has watched this. Well, they're and, looking know, at a global audience, obviously. So there's a little well, more. Even, OK, the global audience, which I still I'm still Skeptical. I'm very suspect of that because a lot of the. I mean, I don't. I don't think they're watching this in South Korea. I doubt if they're watching it in China because they can't get YouTube in most of the areas, uh, and most of the other parts of the world are all low, low in. I'd like to know if, what the U.S. numbers are. This whole thing is a robot. It's bullcrap. Well, it's a great way to get attention, though. It's very easy to just call up Google and say, "Turn the switch, make it a hundred million." I mean, that's easy. And by the way, show me the page that says a hundred million. There's, you know, what's the, the current page say? Have you looked at it recently? No, I can do it right now. That's interesting, actually. Let's see what it says. I don't even think it says 100 million. I think they're counting, you know, it, it's just made up. It's just made up. Coney 2012 YouTube. So this would be the official Invisible Children page. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, 82 million views, according to the official. So 
even if you go by the official number, Fareed Zakaria is full of crap with 150 million. But he only says that to slam George Clooney to say more people than have seen your movies, which I think is kind of cool. But then Prendergast will jump in to answer the question. Amount by now, I don't know, 150 million people, even more people than watch your movies. <laughs> uh, do, do you think that ultimately it'll make a difference because you've, you've tried to focus your activism in very specific, targeted ways. This feels a little bit more like the kind of catch-all activism. Let's do something about this. Right. Uh, some of the things in the video are inaccurate. That we don't have 30,000 child soldiers. Right. But, oh, it's inaccurate now. Oh, well, that's interesting. But the spirit... Uh, now, Prendergast is looking at Clooney like, uh, 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 come on, man. I'm supposed to jump in here. Um, is, you know, it's obviously admirable. This guy is a sure. horrible person. Will it make a difference? Well, I'll tell you this. Um, unfortunately, the one thing you have to do is when you do these is you have to be you have to try to be if you're going to air, you have to make sure you air on the side of factual. <laughs> I love that. If you're going to air, make sure you air on the side of factual. <laughs> this is where Prendergast is shitting your brick. Is, is Clooney actually saying I know he's, he's messing it up, but isn't he actually saying if you're going to make a mistake, make a mistake on the facts? Isn't that what he's just said? That's what it sounded like. Yeah, so Prendergast is like, uh, but Clooney's great. Listen to what he does. As much as you possibly can. Having said that, if 150 million people know his name now, uh, that can only be good. It's only good. You know, the first thing we have to do, the first power we have is knowledge about this. You have to know about it and understand it. And then you get involved. I didn't know anything about Darfur until I read. Excellent, George. Pull it away from that. Go to Darfur. Nick Kristoff's pieces on uh, on Darfur. I then got involved. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think that's you have to have knowledge first. So I think it's a good thing. Uh, what do you think? Uh, 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 shut up, George. And Sigari is good. And by the way, this is heavily edited. Sigari is like. What do you think? Well, you know, President Obama sent uh, 100 special forces to the region of Central Africa to help craft a counterinsurgency strategy to catch Joseph Kony a few months ago. It's an election year. People criticize him heavily for doing that. So this gives Edit. President Obama a great deal of political support ah. to maintain the course. What? Yeah. That boy, dog, talk about a, a segue. Yeah, no, it was a huge hatchet job. He says, so this kid gave President Obama a huge amount of support. Of trying to bring an end to this insurgency. Yeah, it's not as bad as it was at the height when Sudan, the Sudan government, by oh. the way, the same government that's bringing us the new mountains, Good. was supporting the largest army. So it's a, it's a very important thing to, to do to support this decision by the president. So... These guys are good because they're moving the, <clears throat> the conversation away. Now, it doesn't matter because we need to have stuff in Africa. It's all Africa. We need to have our, uh, we need to basically kick the Chiners out of Africa no matter what. But they realized that this went horribly wrong. And this was news on the interwebs. TMZ had it all day Friday and not a single word on CNN. They were awaiting instructions. I mean, this this kid was... On CNN, Fox, uh, NBC, CBS, ABC, incessantly for a week. He freaks out. He's caught masturbating. He's slamming the pavement. He's running around like a lunatic. And no one says anything until they get the memo. Please. That's insulting. And then, if, and of course, Clooney was like, this. he's angry because this is ruining his whole deal that he was that he set up. In Washington, he had a whole week completely set up, ready to go, rock and roll. And MSNBC, the most truthful reporting I've ever seen, 
they they cut live because of course the trucks were there the press was there i mean you know and, and the cops are waiting for everyone to get their shot before they put on the little plas- plastic handcuffies but listen to the voiceover never a truer uh, sentence spoken booming and i'm i'm pretty confident of this that he'll be able to uh, get himself out of jail if he is taken to jail he is going to be on meet the press oh, oh, oh wait he's going to be on meet the press it's a little promo uh, but there we see him he's actually handcuffed uh walking over uh we don't know if there's trespassing charges involved here or exactly what's going on um but they knew i think going on because this is private property that there was a chance that they would get arrested, that they would get handcuffed, really? that they would actually be charged. Really? Um, obviously a very interesting kind of uh, photo op. Having said that, you know, George Clooney has spoken very eloquently in the past about the power of celebrity and yeah, his listen, feeling listen. that it's incumbent upon him for all the success that he's had and all the money that he's made to use that celebrity in a positive way, in the way that some of his close friends like... Uh, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie uh-huh. have done uh, with their own work. Angelina Jolie, obviously, as a, a, as a U.N. ambassador. And the Sudan is a crisis uh, that he really believes uh, needs to, to uh, get a lot of attention. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely true. A photo op to get attention along with your other shills so that we can get on Meet the Press and look really interesting and talk about it. And, as, uh, and this, is what, this is what cracked me up. So they actually push him through the cameras and they let him stop. You know, they let him stop and say a couple words to each camera crew along the way. You know, it's not like a real arrest. It was so, so fake, so phony. And uh, so we know that he was he met with President Obama. Then he went to the state dinner for um, Cameron, where all night he sat, uh, uh, according to reports, with Valerie Jarrett, my favorite woman in the entire world. So she probably was scheming with him. She probably well, I, set it I, all my up. My understanding is he was sitting next to uh, 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 Michelle. We, well, then Valerie Jarrett was there. Maybe. Uh, I, 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 my understanding is he was talking to Valerie Jarrett all night. And then th- this is what he says when the question is posed to him about his meeting with the president. You know, he's 78 years old, never been arrested before. Did, did you talk to the president about the uh, possibility of this happening? No, no, this was something completely different. No, okay. no, no, not at all. Wait, wait, what, how old did he say he was? No, it's his dad. His dad is 78. Oh, oh. yeah. Now, there's no possibility. No, no, I was talking about this is something else. What were you talking about with the president then? The next caper? <laughs> I mean, please. <laughs> Please. So this was not meant to happen, but this happens. This happens to these doped up MK Ultra kids. They freak out. And yeah, I mean, and by the way, long ten time since I've read in the press of a 5150. Yeah, I saw that. They used the word, they used the 5150. Uh, Explain that. Uh, well, it's just, it just happens to be a part of the, it, it's actually part of this, it, at least in California, it's part of the penal code. It's actually section 5150 of something or others, one of the statutes. But he was in Washington, D.C., so he, is that only in, in California? The 5150 was, wasn't mentioned. It was only, no, in California is the only place I know where you have oh, no, it was, it was No, the guy was in San Diego. Or 5051 or whatever it's no, called, 5150. 5150. Now the guy was in San Diego. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's like uh, you, it just means you know you're, you're nuts. psycho. You're psycho, and you might psycho you might har- you might harm yourself or others. Yeah. So I haven't seen that in a long time in the press. So you know, and then you know at the but it's probably code. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. For MK Ultra. <laughs> hey, MK Ultra is real. I mean, the government has admitted that. You know, if you watch the news lately, they're admitting to all kinds of stuff now. Yeah, you know, we shot vaccines, experimental vaccines into the troops. And Bill Clinton even apologized for uh, testing citizens, you know, testing drugs on citizens. This isn't this is not, you know, yeah, we think, oh, it can't happen. That's not real. Oh, you crackpot. But this it's admitted. So why not dope this kid up? He certainly looks like a dope. Anyway, I'm very gay for George Clooney right now because I have to say, wow, wow, he looked good. I want his love children. Make a note of that. You should note that you really can't get pregnant. <laughs> I just want to wake up in the villa at Lake Cuomo with George and make pasta it's, and have it's getting closer. People have espressos. <laughs> God, that guy is so good. I bet you is there a height on the wiki page? I bet you he's tiny. I bet you he's not my height. I'm sure he's not your height. Well, then that sucks. He's probably about 5'8", 5'10". Yeah. I'm guessing 5'10", maybe 5'11", with lifts. Yeah, that's a bummer. Because he's a handsome man. I mean, come on. He looks looks awesome, doesn't he, with that beard? I don't know. Come on. Doesn't do anything for me. Oh, all right. Well, he does for me. Well, speaking of 5150, I think we have a number of people who have uh, supported our program. Well, oh, we only have two, actually. Of, uh, of our and program one of them of is just control. a carryover from uh, this, uh, Eric's operation. That the uh, He has a note. Uh, $500. We had two executive producers. $500 from uh, uh, No Agenda Nation. And this is supposed to be credited to Roberto for working toward and being the first Puerto Rican knight. Oh, well, that's something. Nice. What you happened? Called your new shirt at No Agenda Nation. Huh. So I, I don't know any. I don't know that we. Well, maybe we don't have a Puerto Rican. I don't know. We have any <laughs> listeners in Puerto Rico. Well, it, in the chat room, I guess. You know. Uh, oh, okay. Well, we should. <clears throat> yeah, you'd think. Yeah, you'd think. And then we have Sir James Briscoe, who came up from Bayshore, New York, with four, three, four, four, five. Hmm. And I'm looking at that going. Not sure why that number is that way it is. He's had a huge influx of karma and money that he doesn't need or deserve, so he's giving it to you guys to save Mr. Curry from the dreaded sales video. (laughs) Too late. Yeah, it's already done. It's in the bag. (laughs) Thanks. Instead, please redirect my karma and love derived from the donation and fuel any extra karma to the love of my life, Smita. She will definitely uh, need it way more than I ever will, and please credit this executive producership Hopefully, to another listener, I managed to snag my cousin, Sean Longworth. He'd get a kick out of it. And finally, please give my mother a birthday shout-out for the 20th and for selling pipeline equipment. (laughs) (laughs) It's a growth business, I hear. (laughs) So those are our two Uh, executive producers. We don't have any associate executive producers uh, this week. Somebody could have snuck in quite easily, but they didn't. I got to do the karma. Hold on a second. You've got... Karma. There you go. Yeah, no associate so, execs. Yeah, that was pretty slen- slender pickings today. Uh, don't want to remind people to help us uh, pick up the slack here at uh, noagendashow.com, noagendanation.com, dvorak.org slash na. Dvorak.org slash na. Yeah, and really uh, also help. the alternative site, channeldvorak.com slash na, if you live in Korea and my site seems to be blocked. Yeah. By the way, 
Well, that's because you're uncensored. They don't like that word. No, I changed it. That's not oh, what yeah. it is. Yeah, but it, it, once you're blocked, you're no, blocked, no, friend. No. Yeah, no, that's not you're... what it is. I know what it is. No. It's all the naked chicks? No, it's no naked chicks. Well, what's the problem? Uh, my uh, The IP uh, I go through, which is uh, run by uh, right. Computer Time down in uh, Mark Perkel, mm-hmm. who, I, who, gets, who sets up the no, I get no spam operation. Yeah. He has a slew of uh, ra- radical websites. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. Pretty much o- yeah. tr- demanding that they overthrow this government or that government. Okay. Thanks. Oh, good. Can Thanks. I, can, no, I can, got to get I, in my own IP address. Can I get an account? <laughs> that sounds good. Get on Amazon <laughs> S3, man. That's, uh, that's the way to go. It's easy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so thank you very much. Uh, uh, glad uh, we were able to get some kickback there from uh, no com, And, of course, to... Uh, uh, Sir James Briscoe, we're going to credit uh, Sean Longworth then, I guess, with uh, with this uh, executive producership. Uh, it's lean, folks. We need a little more help than this, but thank you so much for uh, uh, Sean, Sir Sean, for your uh, contribution. And uh, you can always do one thing, which is bring in more listeners, expose them. I know it's hard, but if you if you see that little crack in the door, then drive your wedging as soon as possible, and then start calling them out as a douchebag until they donate. That's how it works. And, of course, you can uh, go out and propagate our formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You know you are one. Shut up, slave. I actually have quite a uh, New World Order segment I want to do. As I... uh, discovered a couple of uh, disturbing things but uh, first of all I, of course you know john you and i are trained when we see something like this even though it didn't hit the uh, the news channels um the, the alternative media was of course loving the uh, the coney you know naked butt masturbation video and that's when and it was a friday too you know and you always want to release the crap on friday that's the best way to do it right yeah, absolutely, because that way you got a weekend to uh, either uh, ignore it or deal with it. So uh, and a, a new executive order came out on Friday. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this one is uh, extremely disturbing. And I have not seen anything about this on the press anywhere. It is the National Defense Resources Preparedness Executive Order. And this thing is, it's a monster. This is not like a little... You know, usually these things are, you know, because Iran is still uh, Iran and uh, because I only have 90 days, I got to re-up our uh, state of emergency. You know, it's kind of like that. It's like a kind of a thing you just do. Right. But this is one of these. I'm announcing some policy and I'm going to make it really confusing. I don't want to put it in really English and I want to refer to all kinds of different laws and uh, no one in the world except. Uh, that guy from MTV might actually have the patience to go and look and see what it means. So uh, I will read a uh, the most significant summation and then some parts of this which uh, are concerning to say the least. So this is a delegation of authority, uh, the president's authority. And as you know, President Obama thinks he has a lot of authority. And uh, in this uh, Defense Resources Preparedness Executive Order... Um, he says, look, the following people are, are going to be a part of this. Uh, Secretary of State, Treasury, Defense, uh, Attorney General, 
Secretary of the Interior, Agriculture, Commerce, Labor, Health and Human Services, Transportation, Energy, Homeland Security, National Intelligence, Central Intelligence Agency, Council of Economic Advisors, uh, Administration of the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, and the Administrator of General Services. That pretty much is everybody you need if you really want to take over the country. What about NSA? I didn't hear that. Uh, well, Department of Homeland Security. Who does NSA report to? No, they don't report to them. Defense? Well, I don't know. It's a good question who they well, report to. Well, he's got the to. CIA. No, you're, you're Director of National Intelligence. No, that's not the NSA. That's that guy, that, that middleman. Who does the NSA report to? Let's find out. All right. Consult the Book of Knowledge, and I'll read this to you. Yeah, the secretary it. of each agency, that whole list, Delegated authority under subsection A of the Section Resources Department shall plan for and issue regulations to prioritize and allocate resources and establish standards and procedures by which the authority shall be used to promote the national defense under both emergency and non-emergency conditions. It's Department of Defense. Yeah. Each secretary shall authorize the heads of other agencies as appropriate to place priority ratings on contracts and orders for materials, services, and facilities needed in support of programs approved under Section 202 of this order. In other words, get your act together. Here's some stuff you got to do. Let me read you a couple of interesting things. For Secretary of Agriculture, here's the marching orders. With respect to food resources, food resource facilities, livestock resources, veterinarian resources, plant health resources, and the domestic distribution of farm equipment and commercial fertilizer, you shall... Um, oh, wait, let me give you the... Uh, oops, I'm sorry, my notes are a little messed up here. Uh, why am I... I'm sorry. I messed that up. Yeah, I'll come back to that. Let me do Secretary of Labor. My nose got upside down. Secretary of Labor, in coordination with the Secretary of Defense and the heads of other agencies, as deemed appropriate by the Secretary of Labor, shall collect and maintain data necessary to make a continuing appraisal of the nation's workforce needs for purposes of national defense. Hmm. Upon request, the Director of Selective Service and in coordination with the Secretary of Defense, Assistant Director of Selective Service in development of policies regulating the induction and deferment of persons for duty in the armed services. Remember, this is for emergency and non-emergency situations. Sounds like a draft to me. Upon request from the head of the agency with authority under this order consulting with the agencies, the effect of contemplated actions on labor demand and utilization... Uh, will assist in making the exercise of priority and allocation functions consistent with effective utilizations and distribution of labor. So what they're saying here, the way I read this, is get ready to draft people, find out how many people we have, who's eligible, so that we can then take the labor force and turn them into uh, armed forces. A slave labor force. Yes, a slave labor force, exactly. Uh, the Secretary of Trans- Transportation uh, will have complete control over all forms of civil transportation. Uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services uh, shall, ha- shall take control of all hospitals, all, all facilities. Secretary of Defense, with respect to water resources, uh, commands complete control over all water in the United States. And the Secretary of Commerce uh, has complete control over all material services and facilities as it pertains to construction materials. And this, this is a very big document. 
But it basically is saying, get ready. You guys are in charge of everything and get ready for a complete takeover of all of these services. And we're not talking government services. We're talking, you know, the transportation of food. Now, why why is this happening? Are we expecting something? I mean, someone should at least ask the question. I would ask the question if I was uh, in the White House uh, press pool. Yeah, well, no question came up. Of course, this was released after any uh, uh, press uh, conferences on Friday. And, of course, you know, Coney came out and everyone's looking the other So what's this order number? This is executive order. Hold on a second. Uh, I'm going to scroll up here. Uh, it doesn't have a number. I can give you the name of it. Let's they see. usually have a number. That may not be put in the register yet. It's uh, National Defense Resources Preparedness. And it is, uh, by authority vested me as president of the Constitution, blah, blah, blah. The Defense Production Act of 1950. But that, but that one paragraph saying each secretary of the agencies is delegated this authority under both emergency and non-emergency conditions essentially says, Secretary of Labor, you can go and draft anybody you need whenever you want. This doesn't, you know, obviously doesn't seem constitutional, but these guys certainly think it is. Well, yeah, I mean, but we need to figure out why this was signed off in the first place. There's something weird about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we both got, I'm sure, all the you know notes on the giant facility the NSA is building. I think that's it. Whenever, it's in, whenever it comes out through Wired, I'm suspicious. And, yeah, know, but it came out around. It's, it's, it's been, yeah, well, I, I, I can see that, but. They're building something, and it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, you know, it's, but it's, it's on Second Street in San Francisco. Who gives a crap? You know, this. this well, that's the, just no. That's just our facility. They're talking about a big code uh, breaking oh, operation. I know. Yeah. I know. But you know. Oh, so what? They just go to Facebook. Well, that that's the other thing that came out, and which I think is also a distraction. But you know, um, what's his face? Uh, Petraeus was at uh, uh, a. Uh, a summit for InQtel. Now, InQtel is the Silicon Valley venture capital firm, uh, which was started by the CIA. It is their venture capital firm. And they uh, were one of the early investors in Facebook. And he says, you know, hey, we got a, it's a bonanza because all these new online devices, uh, which give uh, all kinds of great uh, data, or a treasure yeah. trove of data if you're a person of interest to the spy community. I wish I had a video of this. Once upon a time, spies had to place a bug in your chandelier to hear your conversation. With the rise of the smart home, you'd be sending tagged, geolocated data with the, that a spy agency can intercept in real time when you use the lighting app on your phone to adjust your living room's ambience. Items of, this guy is crazy, <laughs> items of interest will be located, identified, monitored, and remotely controlled through technologies such as radio frequency identification, sensor networks, tiny embedded servers, tiny energy harvesters, all connected to the next generation internet. That, by the way, bing, bing, next generation internet. Using abundant, low-cost, high-powered computing. The latter now going to cloud computing. It's fantastic. It's a bonanza. My penis is hard right now. Uh, now, of course... What's interesting about He's this... Use the word, it's a bonanza? <laughs> no, but it's... I'm paraphrasing. Mm. 
What's interesting, of course, is that uh, you know all the the wire the the tap the wiretapping laws don't necessarily say you know you can't like uh, check to see what someone's dishwasher is doing or you know who knows what what you know or your connect right uh, i keep it's so funny miss mickey keeps saying i want to have the connect i want to do all the yoga and all the jumping in front of the television i say we'll never get married it'll be an instant divorce that thing is never coming into my house you want to put th- <laughs> three cameras in my house are you insane are you yeah, absolutely they, they they can use that thing uh to pretty much identify every article in the room I mean, there's been a couple of studies showing that the Kinect can be used to first, like if it's in your room, it looks at the bookshelf and sees what books you're reading. This is all theory, but there's been talk about it. Yeah. It can look and see what all the books are you're reading, and then it can do do it can profile you mm-hmm. in such a way that again we can deliver these bogus targeted advertisements. Which I, the more I'm hearing and seeing about this yeah, the bogus, more, the more, bogus the more targeted not, advertising, the more, more eye rolling. Yeah, I agree. But they, I, I, I'm sure that they can identify what books you've got on the bookshelf. Mm-hmm. And if some creep was running, you know, some security business and say, hey, this guy's got a bunch of Karl Marx on his bookshelf. Oh, God. Mickey, clean out the bookshelf. Well, of course, the the joke is, and this is why I think it's a distraction, is because they don't need that. You know, just subpoena Amazon. Let's see what books he was reading. What books did he order? I mean, that's that's the big joke. I'm not buying any more books for my Kindle. I'm going to go down to a secondhand bookstore and get something. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. What difference does it make? Even if you, Amazon does tell them. Oh. Tell them you bought them as gifts yeah. for your communist buddies. That's right. For my, anyway, this is and the fact that this is not being questioned or, you know, why is this? And, it, you know, it's an executive order that delegates the authority of the president to all the secretaries to take over everything private in their uh, portfolio. And, you know, I don't just brush that off, Candy Crowley. And then while I'm reading this, this is crazy. I get a text message from T-Mobile. We know what you're reading, Curry. T-Mobile has now joined the CMAS, the commercial mobile alert system. Great. What does that even mean? Well, I shall read from their website. It is a new public safety system for your protection that enables authorized agencies, unspecified, to send text-like messages. What's a text-like message? Just text message or text-like? I don't know what text-like. Maybe it's upside down. To consumers with capable wireless devices to alert them of emergencies in their area. This is going to be such a pain in the ass. We're going to get like... Oh, I lost my dog. <laughs> Through the use of cell towers, CMAS. It's an emergency. CMAS allows the Federal Emergency Management Agency to deliver emergency warnings to specific geographic regions. After receiving a warning, local cell towers broadcast a wireless alert to a dedicated receiver with an alert-capable devices in the area, i.e., we know where you are. We're going to send you a message. So... What type of alerts will CMAS deliver? This is a FAQ. Presidential alerts? Oh, like, vote for me. <laughs> uh, number two, imminent threats to life and property alerts and amber alerts. Yeah, this is amber alerts. Oh, that's such a pain. In California, every day, 
You'd be watching uh, C-SPAN, and all of a sudden... They can't seem to get the audio right on those Amber Alerts. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? I don't know where that comes from. What are they using? Old carbon mics from the 20s? It sounds like they're, the guy's in the server room, and there's like a little uh, buttonhole microphone, and he has to push a button... <laughs> It's like crazy. It's just nuts. So that's uh, who will receive. Do I need a GPS? No, no, no. You don't because we know where you are. You don't need a GPS. So this is new, and that's it's more reason to just give up phones. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, I don't need it when I'm going somewhere. I'll just take a Wi-Fi device, and it's just crazy. Um, so, so speaking of. Uh, Candy. And I have a lot of respect for Candy Crowley. I've said that before. I like her. Uh, you know, she's a shill, but at least she's funny. So she has on... Uh, now, this was amazing to me. There was a... Uh, apparently, this guy from the Washington Post, um, David Ignatius. Ignatius, do you know him? Uh, yeah, I've, yeah, I think it's Ignatius. Ignatius. Or, uh, I could yeah. be wrong. Is he hot? I don't know if he's hot. Just not kidding. hot. Well, you're, you're going off the deep end. <laughs> just, talking about the guy's butt. I'm just trying to break George the Clooney, you want to be in bed with the guy? No, I didn't say that. I said I want to have his love child. It's very different. Yeah. Um, so he received documents about the Bin Laden Abbottabad raid and uh, Washington Post. And uh, he wrote a whole column about him. He said, oh, they'll be made, they'll be, they're going to be declassified, they'll be made public soon. So this is obviously a PR job. Otherwise, why does the guy from the Washington Post get it? I mean, is, am I misunderstanding how it works in the... In the no, tr- it's just planted for a reason. Yeah, the most transparent uh, government ever in the universe. I mean, this is why, you know, there's certain writers that uh, would always get... Uh, the early look at the Apple products because they know, you know, they know exactly what they're going to, how they're going to respond to it. So this is, so it's hilarious. So first we have uh, the way that they talk. So these are documents that were found at uh, Bin Laden's compound in Abbottabad. Yeah, we've heard about these. Yeah. I mean, we can't see a picture of the guy shot dead, but uh, conveniently we've got all these great, great documents. So a couple of things come out of this. And the first one is exactly what we've been saying for months if not longer, about the corporate structure of Al-Qaeda that they reverse merged into Al-Shabaab and uh, you know they've been doing uh, IPOs and all kinds of filing their S-1 document. They run like a big corporation. And Candy Crowley gets on board. I'm sure she's listening. Hey, baby, how you doing? As you uh, looked at these documents, uh, David, what, what just bounced out at you most? The most striking th- thing in these documents, uh, and I should say that it's an, um, they provide an amazing opportunity to get inside the head of, of Osama bin Laden. Before, or, or the scriptwriters who wrote it. Before his death. The, the most striking thing. Did he get thing, to look at the original Arabic, or was he looking no, at it a was, translation? It, it Did was, he ever no, say? It, he yes. can't read Arabic. He says he was granted access to translations of the documents. So he's, he, he doesn't. So it could be anything. Some, anyone could write anything. Okay, go on. Well, that's the, that's the point. The script writing section is next. This is funny, though. The striking thing was how worried he was that al-Qaeda had tarnished its image so badly <laughs> in the Muslim world by 
killing so many Muslims. Uh, in, yeah, it was really bad for business. In the midst of its uh, jihad against the United States, that he, he, he wrote in one document, uh, Al-Qaeda should change its name and, and rebrand itself. Oh, hey, this is bull crap. Hey, wait a minute. Did you get a memo from Al-Qaeda about the rebranding strategy? I mean, this is a this is a job for us. This is transparent crap. This is horse manure. This is this is a job. No chance of any of this being true. This is a job for the Curry Dvorak Consulting Company. Hey, we can we can rebrand you. We'll get you a new logo. We'll get you like uniforms. Uh, We'll get you. You know, you need some hot chicks. Well, Candy Crowley picks up on it though. Uh, I found that fascinating. This uh, Al Qaeda leader brooding in his compound, isolated from all his brooding. I'm sure it was uh, brooding. I'm I'm here. I'm here brooding. Cartoons. No, 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 no. no. He's watching uh, CNN. We'll get to that in a minute. This is hilarious, John. Colleagues, uh, clearly uh, worried that 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 his organization um, was going in the wrong direction. Oh, my sales numbers are off. You know. We can't. We can't do anything right. We've got the shareholder meeting coming up. You know, this, is, this is a this is a good example of Western projection. So you have a bunch of agencies and say, well, "What would it be like?" They're just imagining what you know. They 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 just project their own way of doing business. Lots of meetings, you know, <laughs> this kind of analysis, that kind of analysis, and then they probably have one or two guys that used to be in business say, "Well, in, in our situation, we had to we had to change the brand." Yeah, and so they project all this on this idiot, and then they then they feed it back into the system, and, and it gets bought. You know, they you buy it because it's <clears throat> makes. Some sort of weird sense when it doesn't make any sense. He was calling for morning scrum meetings, stand-up meetings. You know, we have to have a uh, a Monday morning meeting. We've really got to we got to get our numbers back. I mean, we got to rebrand. Action. Yeah, Peter's Action almost items. like <laughs> Action, <laughs> Action items. Action items. Uh, take the notes. Who has the meeting notes from last meeting? All right. Now, now she picks up on it though. Yeah, Peter's almost like a. Corporate, you sort of treated like a corporation. Yes, thank you, Candy. I love you, 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 you Rubenesque woman. You. There was some talk about you know vice emirs and and, <laughs> and this kind of thing. Did, did any of the, is that sort of in keeping with it previously how he ran it? Yeah, it's always been fairly oh, yes. bureaucratic. Oh, you know, yeah. uh, bylaws uh, around to thirty six pages. They had vacation policies more generous than the vacation <laughs> policy at CNN. Weird. More generous than the vacation policy at CNN. What? <laughs> they had vacation <laughs> policies. Hey. Yes, you. Could take your first year you can take a week and a half and then you have to blow yourself up i mean what kind of vacation policies no, are this? No, no, you no, get no. to spend the rest of your life in heaven no it's you're doing it the wrong way around muhammad it is time for you to put on the vest hey man i got all these vacation days saved up you know it's <laughs> I like, got some sick days take too. abdul <laughs> it's not my turn and then they actually sit there and say because they've read the documents yeah oh their vacation policies i mean hey Quit CNN and go for work for Al Qaeda. They got great. They got great benefits. They got a four hundred one k. Generous enough. They let this stuff. Go. Oh, it gets better. Policy at CNN, for instance, right. and uh, you know, so you know, it's this is of a piece of, of Bin Laden. Uh, you know, as, as David wrote in the Post today, and, and I'm you know writing for CNN as well. You know, this was a guy who wrote a 48 forty-eight page memo to his deputies with very micromanagement kind of. No more free coffee. We're getting rid of the no beverage juice. center. <laughs> no expensive no juice, juice for you. We can just have water. <laughs> <laughs> who, is, 
Who's making the game? Hey, when the pot is empty, you must it's make silly. the next make pot new of coffee. coffee. <laughs> you just do not dump the whole coffee pot out and then stick it back on the machine empty. You can't do that. <laughs> I wonder who was human resources. Did they have to fill out timesheets? I bet you they did. So now the script writers who wrote this, they went off the reservation. And they came up with this idea. It's like, we got a great idea. Let's put in this in these documents that uh, Bin Laden wanted to shoot down the president's plane. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, that's great. Let's put that in. The picture that emerges is of an, of an organizational life support that had very big goals, you know, kill Obama, but very little means to do it. Right. And I was going to ask you, David, sort of a, a double pronged question. And that is they, they really didn't seem to have the wherewithal to carry out these giant plans to shoot down the president's plane. What? Wait a minute. Aren't, weren't these the guys that hijacked two planes and flew them into the World Trade Center? You, you're telling me they can't shoot down a 747? Really, Candy? Now you're now you're off my off my bucket list, girl. And uh, etc. And and if you would also comment, because one of the things, and maybe it's because I'm a political junkie, though, that struck me was his summation of Joe Biden as being inexperienced, and it would be all chaos in the U.S. Uh, when uh, he would then become the president. Just- this is great. So so literally, we have uh, Osama bin Laden sitting in his uh, hut. In his, I'm sorry, his compound. He's like, I know. If we shoot down the plane, that idiot Biden will be president. It will be pandemonium. <laughs> can you just see the? Can you just see the writers? Like room? somebody in the in the offices of the whoever what agency produces phony documents. They were laughing. They, they were, thought they would give the needle to Biden. They were pooping their pants. It was so funny. I can just yeah. see the writers meeting. Oh, this is this is great. What a great angle. I love this. It seems to me a very naive look at the American political system. I think he 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 was naive. He um, spent an awful lot of time watching television. Okay, so now so somehow they have from these documents. They uh, I guess he was saying today I watched Candy Crowley. Boy, that bitch is fat. Uh, <laughs> Aaron Burnett, hot babe. Too bad she's CFR shill. I mean, what was the guy taking notes of what he was watching? So now the conversation so turns likely. to. He was he was obsessed with watching because we had that one picture of that of like the gardener who looks a little bit like bin Laden watching that little portable television. So this is being put into your mind now that, that this is true, that he was sitting there. I'm just I'm watching the satellite. I had no everything. What's going on? Let me see. Mm, Obama. Yes. Mm, oh, Biden. He's dumb. <laughs> this is very and good. Do you remember in the first early days of this, they made a big deal about there was no. No, no satellite. Nothing going in, nothing coming out. Yeah. There was no satellite dishes. There was no uh, radio uh, antennas. There was no electricity. There was nothing going in or nothing going out. Yeah. But now. Yeah, now he was watching television all day long. Satellite TV. Yet. All, all day long he was watching. Well, you know, we, it, look, the, the, the hole was big enough to drive a Mack truck through. But then listen. Listen. <laughs> What's, no, how serious Candy Crowley takes herself. It's hilarious. Um, in that compound in, in Abbottabad, um, I think he was concerned that Obama had turned the tables uh, on al-Qaeda. He, he notes in one of these documents that Ob- Obama had s- successfully rebranded. He rebranded? We must rebrand. You've got new Coke, I make new al-Qaeda. 
the war on terror. You see, don't see, they, they're not calling it the war on terror anymore. They're calling it the war on al-Qaeda. And that puts us on the defensive, in, in effect. So I think he was, he was, he was focused on Obama. Uh, his comments about Biden uh, were, were uh, surprising in the sense that Biden has had far more experience. Uh, the- oh, now they're striking back. Hey, hey, you idiot writers, don't do that, man. We're, we're on the Obama bus here. Don't say that about uh, about uh, George O'Biden. Senate Foreign Relations Committee and generally than, than Obama had. Um, it's fascinating to see a man who was at once uh, out of touch and, and, and totally uh, plugged into the global grid following everything on a daily basis. So, OK, let me just get this straight and we'll hear Candy Crowley say the most amazing thing. So according to him, Osama bin Laden was so plugged into the global grid. Which he was out of touch. That's what he said. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Listen. I, I agree. It was just this, it was a, a, a weird disconnect, it seemed to me, between, you know, just following everything and yet not knowing so much. Yeah, that's what uh, American news does to you. If this is true, then your story is right on. Because if you really watch CNN and Fox and MSNBC all day, you'll know a lot about bull crap. You'll know nothing. Yeah. You'll be an idiot. That's, <laughs> you're right. That's exactly what the message is. Yeah, you'll be a total douchebag. And then just to wrap it up, this guy makes the classic flub. No one catches it. Um, let me ask you, Peter. I want to ask you both just as our, our closing question here. You know, a couple of months, we're going to have the one-year anniversary um, of the killing of Osama bin Laden. Oh. Uh, what are you doing on the uh, Bin Laden uh, anniversary day, John? You going to throw a party? Uh, I was thinking of having a Super Bowl party. It's on the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's coming up. No, it's not on Super Bowl. Oh no, it's uh, it's no. coming up. I don't know. We we have yeah, to I get. Think, do they have a special at Costco? <laughs> and there was a lot of tension at that time. Thank you. I was waiting for your punchline. You finally got there. Thanks. That Al Qaeda would would uh, you know launch some kind of you know retaliatory attack. In what shape is Al-Qaeda now, and, and should we expect that the anniversary of his death would bring anything more than his death did in terms of retaliation, Peter? The organization is on life support. Oh, it's on life? The organization is on... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That Wait doesn't make minute. any sense with all these other policies. It's on life support? Then what? The, why can't we then just go home? Why do we even go home? give a crap? Go home. I mean, this is in the official documents. So if they've known this for almost nice. a year... Quit it already. But it, it, here it comes. That's what these documents show. And that was well understood by the leaders of al-Qaeda itself. Um, sure, somebody opportunistically may t- try and do something on the anniversary. But, it, you know, it's not going to be a big deal. Um, and it's unlikely to succeed. And, and David, is, is, have we done it? I mean, is al-Qaeda gone? Al-Qaeda is, is down, as, as Peter is one of the world's real experts. on. The- I guess this, he means the stock price is down. They're down. It says it's on life support. But these documents do show that Obama continued, presumably, ah. till the day he died. <laughs> and beautiful. You, that was a shaggy dog story. You just led us right into that. How beautiful was that? <laughs> that's a good one. That's the, that's the clip of the day. Play, this, play the G. Clip of the day. Let's just hear it one more time. It's so good. Uh, to be looking for ways to get the United States. Oh, hold on. Let me, uh, let me go back. So looking for ways to. Uh, where is he? Back. 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 The day he died. Uh, back a little back, more. Back. 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 back.
do show that Obama continued, presumably till the day he died, <laughs> to be looking for ways to get the United States. Uh, in, one of the, in one of the documents, uh, he talks well, a, about, about asking the brothers in, in this movement to find someone who could travel easily in the United States. Uh, presumably it was an American or had, yeah, like Joe Biden. had a passport that would get him in, into the U.S. easily. He was always looking for that seam that might allow him to, to conduct the spectacular attack. The, the ca ca capacity to pull it off, obviously very limited. Uh, down, but, I w but not out. But not out. And no one says a thing. I mean, he said it wasn't like a like a, a slip. You know, it was like like in, unintelligible. He just said Obama. Said, I know it's very clear. Obama. Obama. And then nothing. No one says. Oh, dude. You, That's mean, because everyone's assuming that the script is being done, executed properly. I caught one on uh, the McLaughlin report. Oh, my favorite. Which we've known Good because day. we had an insider from uh, one of the producers that told us that the show is entirely scripted. Yeah. But generally speaking, you don't have somebody else reading your lines for you. <laughs> yeah, that only happens on the 30 Rock. Now, to play this one and tell me, tell me this is a guy saying, hey, come on, let's move it along. Let me tell you what your line is. It's that guy prompting you, forgetting script. For John, the Israelis, it's an existential risk. For the United States, it's a political risk. John, the, uh, the United States, Obama, does not want the Israelis to launch a preemptive strike that would draw us into war. But he is not going to say something like that. And I'm sure he's told uh, he's told uh, Netanyahu. Netanyahu that we don't <laughs> want it done. And the real question is, <laughs> is Obama committed to take the United States to war? Netanyahu, can you read the word, dude? Netanyahu, do we need put it phonetically in the prompter for Robertson because he's an idiot? No, it's a Buchanan. Yeah, same thing. Whoever change the Chiron to Buchanan. <laughs> yeah, he's going and Netanyahu, idiot. Netanyahu, BB. Just say BB then. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, the Israeli uh, security cabinet voted eight to six to attack Iran. That also came out on Friday. Didn't hear about that, did you? No. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, voted eight to six. I guess that's a, I don't know how it works in Israel, but that may be a majority. And it sounds like <laughs> it might be, but you don't know. You really don't know what that means. <laughs> you don't know what it means. <laughs> and Panetta came out and he said uh, the United States would intervene if Israel attacks Iran's nuclear facilities. Quote, obviously, Israel is an independent country and they'll make whatever decisions they make on their own based on what they think is in their national interests. This is what he told uh, Hurrah, Hurrah, an Arabic news outlet. Quote, two, if they should make the decision, the then obviously, obviously, the United States will, uh, would take action to protect our facilities in this area and protect our interests in this area. Which I guess means we're on board. So, well, I don't know what it means, to be honest about it. I was looking at the New York Times, and they had a... Wait, they the, stole the your late, Times. But you the, latest, the latest uh, uh, twist on this is that until recently, it was uh, all the intelligence agencies said that the Iranians stopped even thinking about making a nuke until 2003. Right. And, and they all agree. But now, there's like this phony thing that's cropped up that says, well, there's been some intercepts. Oh, that chatter. Has the intelligence. Then there's no. By the way, there's no documentation for this from the intelligence agencies themselves. This no. is all chatter, chatter. And it chatter. says 
there's been some documentation, and it has it supposedly, and it's just as unattributed, it has the intelligence agencies worried Ooh. that they might be wrong. <laughs> I can't believe it. So based upon one memo somewhere? Yeah, they said there's some letter or some some something they inter it's an intercept. They intercepted something. And this was that, in the New York Times. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. Above the fold on the front page, actually. Intercept. Well that's so that's propaganda. Yeah, it's totally propaganda, but they got it they got it they, you know, it's like they well, we're not sure. I mean, this is like the the yellow cake and all the rest of it. Yeah. I mean, Obama's oh, yeah. just yeah. the same same playbook that Bush yeah. used, you know, just lie. Yeah, but you know, we <laughs> we think about it. This is how we watch all our movies. You know how it's going to end. You know what's going to happen at the end. And we keep going to the movies and putting out fifty bucks for two, you know, for a date and some popcorn. And it's like, oh, yeah, and oh, that was a good movie. Good effects, 3D. Ooh, maybe they should do all this in 3D just to make it more interesting. Because it is. It's the same script where you were conditioned. Same script. Well, it's because it works. It worked before. It works. It works over and over and over again until the script stops working. Yeah. I watched that uh, Clooney movie, uh, Ides of March. What a piece of crap. Ides of March. I don't even remember that. Yeah, where movie. he plays a presidential candidate. It's so oh, it's so bad. Oh, oh, horrible movie. Yeah, he he has every, he, he's almost like every other movie's good. Now the other ones. Are crap. What was interesting, and uh, and uh, you know, and uh, English is Mickey's second second language, and he was saying things like, you know, I'm mar- I'm I'm married to the con. You know, I believe in the Constitution of the United States of America, and he was saying exactly what Obama said. Battery cars, you know, all this stuff. The only difference was uh, we shouldn't uh, be killing people. But everything else, right down to redistribution of wealth, it was all in there. Huh. And it was really bad, you know, like, oh, well, that, I wouldn't vote for that guy. Uh, although he's a handsome devil. And Mickey said, well, he would sound just like Ron Paul. I said, no, just because he said the word constitution. You know, we went back and listened to it. He said, oh, yeah, crap. This is like really shit. <laughs> And, you know, like, we will have nothing but battery cars by 2017. Ugh, really? Battery cars. Please. Yeah, well, they've, you know, it's been going on forever. Meanwhile, the Obama administration uh, is uh, threatening to impose sanctions on India. Gee, you know why? Because they keep supporting that uh, peace pipeline. No. Except they're, yeah. they're saying it differently. India has, quote, failed to reduce its purchases of Iranian oil. And if they fail to shut off uh, their purchases like everybody else does, we're going to impose sanctions on them. Which well, means- we got a better sanction thing going. I mean, the, you know, this war that we've essentially declared on Iran. With the sanctions. Or active war. Yeah. The banking system. I didn't realize they've gone this far with it. Play this clip. Was oh, this about SWIFT? Iran faces a tough new restriction on foreign trade. The banking system, which processes most international money transfers, it's called SWIFT, says it's refusing to deal with Tehran. Harry Smith explains. Grain unloading at Iran's biggest port. The move to further isolate the country's economy could make trade like this much more difficult in the future. But it's Iran's bank customers who will feel the immediate effects when they find they're unable to make simple international banking transactions. The organisation which handles those money transfers based in the Belgium capital Brussels is pulling the plugs after the European Union agreed new sanctions against Iran. 
Every day, Swift handles $6 trillion of messages on transactions. In 2010, 44 Iranian institutions reported they used Swift more than 2 million times. These transactions amounted to $35 billion in trade with Europe alone. Iran has proved in the past that it can circumvent sanctions, but one expert says they will find it difficult to dodge these measures. These sorts of sanctions haven't really been tried before. They're quite a novel thing. Um, usually you have trade sanctions, and nowadays you have sanctions against top people. Actually, targeting a financial system is a relatively new and, and, and novel thing to do. So we shall see. I think that this has more effect and will have more effect and will have more impact on the Iranian authorities than some of the sanctions they've lived with for the past 30 years. The European Union imposed the new sanctions to put pressure on Iran to suspend its program of uranium enrichment. Western countries believe the program is designed to create nuclear weapons. Iran says it's only for peaceful purposes. Generating- you know, um, uh, this is a big deal. I mean, yeah. SWIFT, SWIFT is the whole ba- international banking system. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how they managed to pull this off, but they do $6 trillion a day. Well, it, remember, it's only—it's it, not actual money that's being sent. No, it's no, it's just, part of a, it's just that's a message. What, why it works? Yeah, it's just like, hey, change that number there. Okay, I'll change it. You change it on your end. Yep, all done. Oh, but money the, transferred. But set, it took a long time to set this up so the banks would trust each other. This is a trust thing more than anything. To make this system work, you have to. It, it, it's 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 a it's a really difficult process. You can't just jump out of Swift and start doing it. On your own because no. you're going to get screwed. Yeah. Yeah, hey, I sent you a billion dollars. <laughs> no, you didn't. We didn't get nothing. You know what? They're probably going to start using PayPal. <laughs> Can you just see? PayPal. I am Ahmad I am going. Hey, PayPal's ripping me off, man. They're taking, they're taking <laughs> Look 5%. The fees they're Look charging the, me. These guys suck. <laughs> it's the equivalent. It literally is the equivalent of PayPal shutting off uh, a whole country. That's basically what it is. It's pretty astonishing, and I think that this is... It's an right. act of war. I mean, I totally agree. It's a agree. total act it's of war, act of war. people have not, don't get it, how important it is, and nobody's really playing it up for what... I mean, that one guy who came on and says, you know, this is, no one's ever tried this. This is pretty amazing, because it's, it's amazing that you, would, you could pull this off. I yeah. think you could do Swift in Cuba, as far as I know you can. Um. Yeah, probably. I. I mean, I. I don't know. Well, you know, this is the first time that anyone's ever done this with Swift. Well, Europe, of course, is moving to their own European system, which we discussed. Uh, you know, it's going to be their version of uh, of Swift. Well, this is a European product. It's out of Brussels. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. I didn't know that. I thought that it was an American. Well, I know that. Uh, for years now, um, the U.S. has been uh, working with uh, with Europe to have all SWIFT transactions tracked. And he, uh, we, uh, Mickey has a, one of our uh, best friends over, and he's staying for a couple of days. And uh, he's a real estate agent, uh, a high-end real estate agent in Amsterdam. And he says that now in Europe, you cannot transfer more than 5,000 euros anywhere electronically. He says then you have to call the bank. you got to sign forms. you got to do all this stuff. It's pretty. Uh, it's 
pretty crazy. Said, Dude, that's your money. He said, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what it is. You should be able to do whatever you want. Then let me read you a little bit about Swift. The current chairman is Yawa Shah. Oh, that guy. That's Pakistani. The CEO is a guy from Spain. The majority of the internet messages use the Swift network as of 2010. Swift has 9,000 financial institutions. They're headquartered in um, uh, Brussels. Actually, Designed by Ricardo Bofill, something located in La Hope, Belgium. This uh, this whole thing is reeks of the EU already. I don't mm. see how what they would do anything different. So let's talk about the EU for a second, because I came across a, a document that was pointed out to me by a couple of people, and it's two hundred and seventy nine pages. It's in the show notes three nine or two dot shownotes dot com, all marked up and ready for you to peruse at your own. Uh, Leisure. Now, when we talk about the United Nations, uh, you know, I think probably four years ago, you know, we would kind of like laugh, drinking club, you know, bullcrap, whatever. But now that we're seeing that the United Nations actually does go and bomb countries, um, we have, you know, there's just a lot of United Nations talk. Um, now that we've seen what has happened to the EU, we kind of know how it works, right? It takes a long time. Uh, they set it up under some false pretense, which in the European Union's case was money. So, hey, we're all going to have the same paper money. Groovy. That's a hassle, man. That's switching money. I hated that anyway. And then all of a sudden, there's a crisis which is created. And now we have a fiscal compact. Uh, the same gentleman who's staying with us uh, he said, you know, now we have the Troika in the Netherlands, you know, because, the, you know, everyone has to be at the 3% debt to GDP ratio. The Netherlands is going to be at 4.5%. And in comes the EU commissioner, the European Central Bank and the IMF. And they're now telling the, the sovereign nation of the Netherlands what they have to cut. So, you know, this is now a total integration. You would agree with me, right? Yeah. And so the way it's done is you and and this was going on from the late fifties, nineteen fifty six. It's treaty after treaty after treaty, and they build upon things, and then all of a sudden you turn around and there's you know two three decades of agreements and douchebags all of a sudden that you didn't elect that are sitting there in charge, and you've got a president that you never even heard of, and they're making up laws. And what happens is these laws are made in Brussels, and everyone in Europe who who is, has one eye open will say it's true, uh, and the Brits particularly. They make up a law, and then what do the lawmakers in the sovereign nations do? They say, okay, we got to make that law too. Is that kind of the way it goes? I thought they didn't have to. I, I didn't think there was a redundancy the way you describe it. I thought if they made the law in Brussels and it was just had to be enforced, I think it was part of the, I think there's a there's an overriding law that enforces all these other laws. I don't think they'd redo the law no, and say, yeah, we're going to have to make that law again. I think... I don't think so. I think there's somewhere in the mid process where you have local laws and the agreement was that, you know, well, the local laws will always trump the uh, the central European laws. So you can always override it. But but the the technocrats, I, I don't know if that's true. Well, it may not be anymore because there's been so many treaties since the Lisbon Treaty, which I read in its entirety and I saw what bullcrap it was. You know, now they're talking about in Germany. Yes, we must have a European constitution. So that's coming up again. They want to make a European constitution. But that's not where I was going with this. Where I was going with it, we got to keep our eye on what the United Nations is doing because they have the power to go and kill people. They, you know, We're now fighting about going and killing people in Syria. 
with with blue helmets on, you know, with the world army, essentially. <clears throat> and I came across something which made total sense to me because I was I've been watching, you know, a, a lot of uh, news and I watch a uh, clippity clop uh, Hillary Clinton. What is clippity clops main thing? She always talks about always talking about it. She's talking about women. Right. A lot of times, yeah, not always, but yeah. No, no, no. She's always about the women, and we got to make sure we got to take care of the women. And it's all about the women, and then, okay. and then I this report. Now this we'll get the humor first, and then I'll dig into this two hundred ninety pages I read for you. This oh, is oh boy, you'll like it. You will. So we have so in, in order to create a, a world government, and that's where I'm going. And again, we would you probably would have scoffed at me. Four years ago, I don't think you will this time. We have to have some common thing um, that will allow uh, the human resources around Gitmo Nation to say, "Well, yeah, of course, you know, we have to do that because." So, what is the one thing that has been pushed on us for for you know a good five years now? What biodiversity? Global well, warming. More than five years. It's been going on for a decade or more. Right, but it's really ramped up the global warming, all that stuff. <clears throat> so then I see Aaron Burnett do a segment, which I was just like, "Oh my god!" It's so filled with, it's a fact, it's true, and then there's a whole fear, fact. fear element in it. I wet myself. Global warming appears to be in full effect. Okay. Global warming is in full effect. Right off the bat, my head swivels so fast. <laughs> I, my head almost came this No, without question. Fact. It almost came off my shoulders. The past week, people here in New York and across the country have been enjoying all kinds of spring, frankly, summer activities, which, of course, has had its benefits for people itching to get outside. So, so you I think... Thought, wait, wait, I thought... You know, weather had nothing to do with it. the same as weather, no, but go on. Yeah. But it, of course, has had a very strange effect on nature. It was announced today that... Nature. Oh, whoa. The Cherry Blossom Festival dates have been moved up in Washington, D.C. by a month because warm weather has caused them to blossom that much earlier. Has this ever... This must have happened before. It happened last year. Yeah, it happened. Well, here it did. This year, as an aside, last year this happened. We had a February warm week. This In California, we usually have our warm weeks in March. And it popped the uh, my plum tree, and uh, this happened again this year. <laughs> it popped it, it popped my cherry tree. I don't know what your plum. Yeah, they put the <laughs> plum tree pops like in the like the second or first or second week of February. I'm going. Oh, great! I'm going to have no plums again because you, these blossoms come too early, and the bees aren't around. Nobody takes care of them. And the next thing you know, I got you know the green starts coming out. I got a plum tree that won't have any plums. And this happened, but this is like, this, this is a cycle. This can happen, you know, at any given time. And sometimes it could be too cold and maybe it puts things, you know, you can't do, you can't make these generalizations from one or two years. It's, it's ludicrous. Well, so my point is, oh, something's wrong with my, fuck. My point is, surely this has happened in the past three decades. Oh, I'm sure it's happened all the time. It right. has to. But she's making it sound like, oh. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's a whole month. Global warming. It's not just cherry blossoms. Oh, John. Oh, now I'm turning up the volume. Global warming is affecting the animal world. Global warming is affecting the animal world. You will never guess how global warming has affected the animal world. In fact, I'm going to give you three guesses. Warthogs? Man, it's almost as funny. Are losing their hair. <laughs> Stand by to laugh. Two, 
For weeks, one of our producers, Bob Hand, has been talking about how global warming is causing horse and human shrinkage. As in, warm periods of, in warm periods of history, horses were the size of cats and people were four feet tall. Oh my God! Horses were the size of cats! I would think I will get me a few. So I'm like, really, is this the direction we're headed? Horses are shrinking. Humans are shrinking. There's no evidence except that she had a producer work on it for weeks. What was he smoking dope and like, what can I make up? No, oh, I know. Horses the size of cats. <laughs> but the impact of climate. There used to be horses the size of cats, of course. Why don't they just go in the other direction? Say, you know, horses, there used to be little dinky horses around now. This is this is a horrible report. It gets worse. The change on sharks, sharks is in the here and now. Sharks! According to reps for the Atlantis in Dubai, the warm weather, and, and that's saying something in Dubai, believe me, has led to sharks aggressively procreating. They're having sex! At an alarming rate. Whoa. Describing the matings as a fiery union, the Atlantis director <laughs> of marine life... It's not just sex, it's hot sex. ...says shark spring break is expected to produce 10 new baby sharks this year. They're on spring break now, too. They're like they're doing wet T-shirt contests. They're doing belly flops. They're having you know, sex. I think they're just. I think they're setting her up to get rid of her. Yeah, probably. And more next year. By the way, there's only sixty sharks there right now, so it doesn't end there. Well, this report is based she on. Talks s- funny. She started to talk real fast like this. You notice that she talks like this now? She she she's so nervous. She talks like this when she when she reads her reports. Yeah, we should do some. Maybe we can do a private consulting session with Aaron to help her out because she's on the firing line for sure. The shark oh, yeah. orgy is a much bigger and more wide. Shark orgy. Oh, I'm sorry. Shark orgy. Thanks, Aaron. Spread problem as seas around the world warm. According to researchers at the University of Queensland, 57 hybrid sharks have been found off the east coast of Australia. Hybrid. The experts speculate that the interbreeding is the result of sharks trying to survive climate change uh. and warn that, quote, other closely related shark and ray species around the world may be doing the same thing. Stop the global warming. We're going to get eaten by sharks. Maybe you can wrap up the package like that, Aaron. That would be really cool. So the next time you're outside enjoying the warm weather, remember this. Those cherry blossoms might be really nice, but, yeah, they're bringing super sharks with them. That was super a truly shark. disturbing story we stumbled upon. Stumbled oh, upon. We stumbled upon it. So this is this is clearly this propaganda. Is the, every show she does, I had one the other day. I was gonna, I clipped it, and then unfortunately, the they they run their shows overtime. So my DVR, <laughs> when it's set to clip something, it, it misses the punchline. Yeah. So I missed it. But every show she does, she has a stupid story like this. This wasn't even her editorial. Li- no, oh. the editorial. This, yeah, I know, but it sounds like one of their. The editorial must have really been lame. So anyway, so. Oh, this is terrible. Okay, so where this is, and this has been going on all week on the news. They have all these stories about uh, global warming. And now they're not even saying, it's just like fact. Global warming fact. is doing this. Global warming is doing that. So enter the fourth draft of the Environmental Law Program of the International Union for the Conservation of Nature and Natural Resources in cooperation with the International Council of Environmental Law Towards Sustainable Development. This is a part of Agenda 21, as it actually states in the foreword of this document. And this was uh, launched in 1995 on the 13th of March at the UN Congress on Public International Law. I did not know this existed, but when you say to me international law, 
That sounds like you're trying to put in some laws that are international. I, it would sound so. So uh, I uh, dissected this a little bit. Uh, 76 articles uh, in this uh, international law, and they only revise it a little bit, they say, uh, based upon you know new evidence and new facts. So this facts. is the fourth draft, and they're just pushing this. 1995, so you know, we're moving along with this thing. So the first of all, they talk. They don't talk about you know that it doesn't explicitly state global government. No, they talk about governance. This is the key word: governance. Govern and I read from page what is this thirty six? Governance is the process of decision making and the process by which decisions are implemented. It also can be defined as the rational organization of society in order to achieve the objectives emerging from its common concerns, emerging from material, economic, historical, and historical and cultural foundations and needs. Governance includes the creation and functioning of institutions and of norms at various levels from local to the global. Okay, this is what they call a living document. So we're going to go to Article 3, international law. The global environment, this is all about environment, but it goes a little further than that, is a common concern of humanity. And under the protection of the principles of international law, the dictates of the public conscience and the fundamental values of humanity. So they're setting you up. Article 16. This is where they tell all member nations must integrate environmental uh, conservation into all of their national decisions, just like the EU was doing. Parties shall at all stages and all levels integrate environmental conservation into the planning and implementation of their policies and activities giving full and equal consideration to environmental, economic, social, and cultural factors. To this end, parties shall A, conduct regular national reviews of environmental and developmental policies and plans, enact periodically review and enforce laws and regulations, so enforce the regulations that will be put upon us by the United Nations, establish and strengthen institutional structures and procedures to integrate environmental and developmental issues in spheres of decision-making. So now they're really starting to push it down. Uh, And where does it come up to? Article 20, global warming, climate change. It's a fact. Parties shall take precautionary measures to protect the Earth's climate system and mitigate the adverse effects of climate change. Because it's a fact, apparently. To these ends, they shall cooperate internationally, inter alia. What does that mean? I have no idea. I think it means without objection. To A, mm-hmm. measure the... How do you spell it? Inter, I-N-T-E-R, space, alia, A-L-I-A. Inter alia. Well, you look that up. Measure their emissions and implement national appropriate mitigation actions, which could be anything, Establish risk management and implement adaptation measures to establish climate resilient development. Sounds costly to me. Now, let's go to the socialist views. Did you find out what intralia means? Yeah, it means. Uh, what you want? It's like a means that you're. It means there's just a bunch of information missing. Well, that's weird. Inter alia. So, oh, so without information missing, probably. So exactly as we say. Inter alia. There's a term used in formal extract menace to indicate that the minute quoted has been taken from a fuller record of other matters. So it's like an inter alia means that what you're reading is an excerpt. 
Hmm. Oh, okay. Right. So, so you've got to go back and you've got to integrate the full deal, whatever it is. We just don't have that here in this doc. Right. Right. Okay. Here comes the socialist part. And by the way, I understand how this will work. People are like, well, we got to save the earth. You know, we got global warming. We have to like get all these laws. Save the children. Yeah. Here. Um, okay. Here's what you will do. All the other states, international organizations, civil society, but the economic sector shall adopt measures aimed at the eradication of poverty. We're going to get rid of poverty. How are we going to do this? Well, wow. le- legally empower people living in poverty to exercise their rights, including the right to development, respect, ensure, promote, and fulfill the rights of vulnerable and marginalized persons, in particular to food, water, housing, and other basic needs. Now, this is a right, John. You now have a right to a house. Enable all individuals to achieve sustainable livelihoods. Everyone has to have a job in particular by increasing access and to and control over increasing control over resources, including land increase. So increase control over land, rehabilitate degraded resources, provide uh, potable water and sanitation, provide education. It's a right. And a particular focus on and with the participation of women and girl children. Well, what am I? Chop liver? Why do, the, why do women get a, a bonus? Why do they get a Benny? Huh? There's your Hillary connection. Exactly. This is where I went, oh my God, this is like they're, they're rolling this out. Recycling. Requirement to recycle to the fullest extent possible. Really? We're going to have, like, global cops uh, rummaging through my bin? Make Berkeley's sure. the test market for this. Mm-hmm. Like, in Albany, we have these recycling bins. We, uh, we have a great program here because there's one bin. You can throw everything in it. You can throw glass in it with newspapers, and they sort it out later. In Berkeley, <laughs> they have all these separate containers. <laughs> they send containers. it all to China. Like, you screw it. Throw it. Yeah. Ship and that Berkeley, shit off. In Berkeley, they have all these separate containers, and then it, and there's a good, like, literally what you just said. Mm-hmm. Recycling cops. Cops. Comps. You got a bottle in the paper bin. So now you we're know, gonna, you can, we can find you for that. So we'll have international cops with blue helmets on rummaging through your trash. Now, <laughs> Article 33. Hello. Magic number article. Countries are required to determine. And this is, freaks me out. The size of the human population their environment is capable of supporting. And to implement measures to make sure that the population does not exceed that level. What? Where did you get this? From the United Nations. <laughs> oh, man. Let me just read that to you one Let's more time. shut these guys down now. Article 33. Countries are required. It's not an option. To determine... The si- and it even has in quotes the size. I see this document when it comes out. It's on. It's in the show no, notes. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about our document that's going to tell them up what, how many people we can sustain. Well, keep your eye on the EPA, my friend. That's what you got to look out for. So, just let me say it again: the size of the human population, their environment is capable of supporting, and to implement measures to make sure that the population does not exceed that level by killing them what it says so parties shall develop or strengthen demographic policies in order to achieve sustainable development to this end parties shall a conduct studies john we got to get on this gravy train buddy oh yeah there's money to be made here conduct studies to estimate the size of the human population their environment is capable of supporting and develop programs relating to population growth at corresponding levels 
This is great. Concentration camp. That's my program. How about uh, killing people? I got a program. We just take all the cripples, we line them up, and we shoot them. And can I have a million dollars for my for my my, uh, my study, please? Uh, cooperate to alleviate the stress stress on natural support systems caused by major population flows. This is where they're going to take your land. Hey, we got some people here. We got to live here. We got some tents. Moving them out. Cooperators, uh, as requested, to provide a necessary infrastructure on a priority basis for areas with rapid population growth. And, here it is, provide to their populations full information on the options concerning family planning. Well, isn't this exactly what the conversation is today in the media about contraception? Isn't this exactly what they're implementing? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's exactly what's going on. Um, And then uh, Global Economic System, Article 34. Nations are required to maintain an open and non-discriminatory international trading system. This document affirms the emerging one-world economic system and sets out rules for how to participate in an environmentally responsible way. (laughs) What's the name of this this overall overriding document? Yeah. well, it's, uh, well, the document itself is Environmental Policy and Law, Paper Number 31, Revision 3. Then you're reading from that? Yes, verbatim. I, I had the whole PDF Boy, marked they sure up. slip it in. I thought, I thought we were pretty, pretty sly with yeah. these opportunity acts that aren't opportunities at all. Parties shall uh-huh. cooperate to establish and maintain an open and non-discriminatory international trading system that equitably meets the developmental and environmental needs of present and future generations. What does that mean? Environmental needs? And it has to do with trade? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know. You don't carbon, want to carbon, you gotta carbon. use fuel. You got to use battery-powered ships. And carbon credits, I guess. I think it's carbon credits. That's what, that's what that means yeah, to carbon me. Carbon credits. They, gotta get, they just can't get off that thing. Um, it's like a, such a perfect scheme for making money. They just can't get away from it. They can't think anything different. How about this one? So to that end, prices of commodities and raw materials must reflect the full and direct, full direct and indirect social and environmental cost of their extraction, production, transport, marketing, and where appropriate, ultimate disposal. In other words, prices going up on everything. <laughs> because it has to take into effect the environmental and indirect social cost. I mean, this this is it. It made my stomach churn. <laughs> I found this last night at like eleven, and like Mickey, oh. go to bed. I'm not. I'll, I'll see you in a couple hours. I got to read through this thing, and it's just it's so bad. But you know, so you just have to be. When was this passed? Who was it passed? Where was it passed? Well, it's. See, the thing is, it's uh, there's a huge group of people who meet. And by the way, it's financed by the government of the Netherlands. They're thanked in the foreword uh, as uh, as the ones that have financed uh, this group. It's a large group of people and they meet several times a year and they keep. And so they have this one draft that they came up with in 1995 before you and I even were doing the show before there was interwebs almost. And they've just been building on it and building on it. And these people go back you know, and they talk to their, you know, policymakers and it's all idiots, all technocrats and people who are happy to have a job and consultants and doing studies. And, you know, and then, well, you know, 
We're going to have killer sharks, man. You got to implement this stuff. You want to die? You know, These sharks are going to be on <laughs> land, walking around, land sharks. They're going to be. <laughs> so uh, you want to know how it's all going to be paid for? This is an Article 51. All right, tell me. Parties undertake to provide in accordance with their capabilities, financial support, and incentives for those national activities aimed at achieving the objectives of this covenant. Now it's a covenant. And a covenant is pretty much an agreement that is legally binding. You can have a covenant on your house. When you know, if I if I were to buy a house and it has a good luck and it has a covenant on it that I can't you know like build an extra story on top of it, it ain't gonna happen. It's a, it's a legally binding document now. Parties shall pursue innov- innovative ways of generating public and private financial resources for sustainable development. This is all Agenda Twenty One stuff. Innovative ways. This is where that's basically shouting, hello, consultants, hello, consultants, come up with some innovative uh, PowerPoints. And now the kicker. Article 52, and then I'll stop. Parties, that means us, we're a part of it, taking into account their respective capabilities and specific national and regional developmental priorities, objectives, and circumstances shall endeavor to augment their aid programs, so in addition to everything we're already doing, to reach the United Nations General Assembly target of at least 0.7% of gross national product for official development assistance. That's a lot of money. And they say it right here, 0.7%. Yeah, of course, and it gouges the bigger countries, and little countries don't have to pay anything. So, I well, thought this that, is an eye opener. Yeah, and 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 it, in the in the forward, it right there, it's like Agenda Twenty One. I'm like, oh wow, you know, they, they said this is all. They, let me see if I can find that particular piece where it literally says this is a part of Agenda Twenty One. Here it is. Um, to lay out common bases upon which future lawmaking efforts will be developed. Agenda 21 elaborated the vital aspects of treaty making in Chapter 39. I didn't actually do that. I didn't go back to Chapter 39 of Agenda 21. But I know what they mean. There's a need to identify and agree on universal principles to set priorities for future lawmaking at the global, regional, and sub-regional level to ensure that Trade policy measures for environmental pur- purposes do not emerge as a disguised restriction on international trade. <laughs> not disguised. And to identify ways to minimize or resolve conflicts between environmental and social economical agreements and instruments. Now, the, I, I do have to give one final kicker. Uh, s- settlement of disputes, Article 69, neuf. If parties... To such a dispute do not reach agreement within one year, following the notification by one party to the other that a dispute exists, the dispute shall, at the request of one of the parties, be submitted to, to, come on. The Hague? I don't know. Yes! The International Court of Justice. Oh, God. And here it is, my favorite one, International Tribunal for the Law of the Sea. It's a total takeover, man. Total freaking takeover. It's a total attempted takeover. It worked in the EU, and we witnessed it ourselves. We saw it happen with our very own eyes. We've just It's just happened. You think these douchebags in Washington are any better than the douchebags in Brussels? 
they're smarter all of a sudden that all of a sudden our our population is seeing this no they're not seeing that because Aaron Burnett says there's going to be super sharks I don't care I'm afraid now I don't care just take my money carbon credits it's all good Well, I think this is a good moment to uh, yeah, I think I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda. Carbon credits. In the morning. We're going to need some more cash than we got uh, for today in order to pay for our carbon credits to, to protect us from yeah, the super Yeah, we'll be able to drive around the block. Jesse Wilson, <laughs> Hobart, Indiana, though, gave us $111.11, which is a donation we don't get much of anymore. Nice. Last month I donated and PayPal wouldn't let me put my karma request in, and I didn't get one when my donation oh. was read either. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, this one put me halfway to the round table. I, I, I don't know why. I don't know. Anyway, he needs a karma shot, loves the challenge coins, dropped another $111 on them. Oh, very nice. How many coins do you need? You've got karma. Just want to say say one thing to you. F you, John. Rick (laughs) Hraznek. Hey, from Pedovania. From Easton, Pennsylvania, $100.33 and closes a money order for, uh, oh yeah, he sent this in as cash. like to call out all the Republicans who didn't vote for Ron Paul in the primaries as douchebags. Douchebags. They're letting one of the greatest statesmen since the founding of the Republic slip away. That's absolutely true. Dear John and Adam, Monica Reardon in San Diego, uh, California, writes for $100. In the morning, I am a stay-at-home mom of two, and no agenda has provided me with hours of entertainment as well as much-needed mental stimulation. My husband's a big fan and badgered me to listen to no agenda until I finally capitulated. Whoops. And I'm glad I did, although I still cringe at the douchebag call-outs and the MILF jingle. She doesn't like it. Hmm. I need some new job karma for myself. I'm trying to get, because uh, tr- I'm tired of living the American dream of just getting by. I recently <laughs> interviewed with a great company, and I really want, to offer, want them to offer me a job. Keep up the good work. Hope to make another donation soon. Uh, P.S. Uh, my six-year-old daughter overheard me listening to No Agenda once, and she heard Adam's story about burning his <laughs> penis while smoking on the toilet. <laughs> When was that story? Don't you remember? I, I was that reading. was a while ago, wasn't it? No, it was maybe a, no, a month or two ago, and I was reading. Oh, it was about the European stability mechanism, and I was like, oh, my God, they moved it up a year to screw everybody, and then I dropped my cigarette in the on my thing. Uh, she heard Adam's story about burning the penis <laughs> while smoking on the toilet. My daughter left the room screaming, Mom is listening to her computer, and a man said he burned his penis with a cigarette. <laughs> My nine-year-old son also heard an episode where Adam, it's always Adam. Yeah, always, apparently. Called someone a douchebag, and now that term has become part of my son's vernacular. <laughs> uh, you know what? Your kids are going to grow up to be fine individuals. Let me yeah, give her a anyway, shot of uh, job karma here. Hold on a second. You've got karma. Well, I, I apologize, but you should have used headphones. <laughs> hey, you know what? Well, yeah, this show's not that bad. I'm sure your son is playing war, uh, uh, like uh, War of World, war, World of Warcraft, or some other like video game where it's okay for for him to be at home shooting the enemy, Al Qaeda terrorists on a video game. 
So if that's William Ashby Mobile Alley, Mobile 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 Mobile. Wow, I know I lost that one. Mobile, Alabama, nine nine ninety nine Give it to him. <laughs> niner, 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 niner. Please give a douchebag call out to Brian Wright and Michael Baldwin. Michael Baldwin. Douchebag. Not yet donating and a de-douching to me. All right. You've been de-douched. So now he's up way ahead of his buddies. And here we go. Barely made it. Just in at the last minute, but it happened. Jeff McKenzie from Wapakoneta. Wapaka? Wapako. Wapakoneta. Wapakoneta, I think, yeah. Wapakabaka. In Ohio, sixty nine, sixty nine. donating tonight and looking for some karma. I was laid off, got a new job, but have got to go to Detroit Monday morning to get a passport as the job is crossing the border to Canada three times a week. Get a passport card. <laughs> They're beautiful. They're dynamite looking. And get laid mill for the one I'm looking to nail next. So he needs a... <laughs> He's like he's because you know he's drunk, but yeah. he, he needs a carbonic yeah. milk. Yeah, I guess. Right on, no problem. Milf. That's one mother I like. You've got karma. As a little uh, intermezzo, I want to thank uh, Justin Del Sesto. He says, um, in 1989, the cherry blossoms came out in February. Okay, there. That was my point, Aaron yeah. Burnett. No, yeah. definitely. Uh, Mike mm, Nikolachuk. Nikolaichuk. Nikolaichuk. Nikolaichuk, yeah. In Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, known otherwise as the Paris of Canada. Uh, double nickels on the dime. Jason Seals in Irvine, Texas. Uh, 55 in the morning citizens. Donating double nickels on the dime for all the work you guys do put into the show. Uh, thank you for keeping me informed and watching all the brainwashing material on TV so I don't have to. Also, special thanks to Sir Stefan Springer for propagating the formula and getting me to listen to the show. Right he on. He needs a de-douching and a hey, citizen. Uh. Hey, citizen. <laughs> You've been de-douched. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Peabody, uh, with, I guess, his sidekick uh, in... Uh, ne- <sighs> wow. Natchitoches? I don't know. I'm I'm, a lo- I'm lost on that one. Yeah, Natchitoches in Louisiana. Uh, 5314. Uh, your first donation with a little pie, 5314. Wanted to say that the running argument you've had over Adam's fascination with hydrocarbons ruling the world and John's Peshaw reaction, you're both right. I highly recommend you set the... W-A-B-A-C machine, the Wayback Machine, to the old book, The Influence of Sea Power on the History by, on History by Alfred Thayer Mahan. There's an art of war for the late 19th century, also became the mantra in the early 20th century U.S. globalists. Very simple throughout history. He who controls the world's trade routes controlled the world. Makes perfect sense since the dawn of trade after the dark ages. It's all about, as John might point out, who controls the spice trade or the gold trade or the raw materials. Today, uh, the key element is the generating energy. So as Adam would say, who runs the pipelines controls the future. And he, and he goes on with this theory. So we should probably read that book. We should look into it anyway. I'll check it out. The sea, sea power, <clears throat> sea power is what it's called. Sea, sea power, power on, on history. history. Okay. I'll, I'll definitely read that. By Alfred Thayer Mahan. I'll have to go to my secondhand book show because I'm not bookstore. Yeah, right? I can probably get it first. Kindle. <laughs> it's probably public domain. Yeah. Shannon Atkins. You can probably get it from uh, archive.org. Or from, Sh- uh, yeah. 
Right. Shannon Adkins in Warren, Michigan. Finally, a city I can pronounce, 50-50. Donation was inspired by the NPR Bagothon on the ride to work this morning. Instead, I decided to support the show that I listen to every week that gets no corporate or government support. That's right. It's a fact. Fact. And no tote bags. Dame Tanya in New York. $50 from Dame Tanya. I'm starting a new position for my company on Monday. I'm requesting some karma for a smooth transition. Thank you for the best podcast oh, in the universe. I'm very happy. She's awesome, Dame Tanya. Here you go, baby. You've got karma. Alan Bean in Oakland, another $50 from him. Thanks, mofos. Great analysis. Please continue. Thankfully, because of you guys, I am slowly opening up my pretend wife's eyes <laughs> to reality. Pretend wife? I don't know what that means. Jason. <laughs> And finally, Jason Fortune in uh, Geneva, uh, Illinois, for fifty dollars. I did have a couple of other no- side notes. I got. I, um, oh, we got the coins, right? We got some silver coins. Yeah, yeah. That's on the. You have that note in front of you. Yeah, this is from Jason Hill. I sent my donate <coughs> donation on the fifth of March. Wanted to give some explanation for the model it represents. I'm in month two of being a small business owner. I've made a good start, but I'm also learning of all the taxes that comes with it. Yes. I've quickly come to despise them. In thinking of my desire to donate to the show, I'm aware of your potential taxable rates. In an attempt to mitigate that and implement a varied value-for-value donation model, I've sent you and JCD a U.S.-denominated $1 silver eagle. Each coin has a value of approximately $40 plus based on the spot price and tax at time of purchase, but your taxable rate is a mere $1. He says this actually uh, went to court... Oh, wait, I don't have that part. And he had a link to a court case where uh, someone won on this issue. So please accept these coins and issue me a quick deducing. Uh, considering JCD's venture to the post office box, my donation may not be verified till the middle of the month, but I want a birthday shout out for my eldest son, Andrew, on the 20th of March. And he's on the list. Good. Uh, any karma, karma shot for my business. So, uh, dedouche karma combo. Thank you very much. And, uh, but, uh, I'm kind of with John, uh, and, uh, Congressman Ron Paul has also said that you can't do that. Uh, the IRS will come and, uh, inspect me and, and John, if we do that. So, uh, so we don't, yeah. we just don't do it as a matter of policy. It's not worth the effort. And I'm glad somebody did win a case on it, but it's still, it's pretty dubious. I mean, and, I mean, and the IRS has guns, by the way. They come now, to your house yeah. with guns. So, you know, what are you going to so say? A, I'm going to hold up a printout and say, yeah, but, you know, in Georgia, somebody. Uh, <laughs> that ain't going to work. You've been de-douched. Also, You've got also we, got a four, we got a $52.10 donation from Andrew Richter. Is listening to the segment at three ninety one while driving to work. Realized about time I donate. First, I think I'm a douchebag. This is my first donation. I've been listening for three years. Wow, that's not okay, man. You leech. And so he's getting married on ten 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 and missed the super karma donations. My request is some job karma because right now I'm sending this from work on a computer at a job I hate. <laughs> I have an interview tomorrow, and I can only hope for the best. I'd also like a douchebag because I'm still practically a boner. Just So give him a karma and then a douchebag. Or a douchebag and then a karma. That's maybe a better way to do it. Either to, way. To end on a positive note. Douchebag. You've got karma. That's a new one. I think that's the first you're a douchebag, you've got karma that we've ever done. <laughs> don't you think? I don't remember it. Yeah, I'll do it tighter next time. 
That's pretty good. Well, I don't know how many people are going to request it, but I suppose there's a few out there. So I want to thank all these people who helped us get this show off the road. Off the, off the off, road? Off the road. <laughs> That's exactly what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, they got the show off the road. Everybody who didn't donate, you're helping us get off the road. This is good. Yeah, you got to get Adam back on the road because he's got to do another Hot Pockets. Your summer's coming up. And I want to remind you. We've been thinking about it. We've been thinking about it. Noagendanation.com, noagendashow.com, org slash NA for the the donation page with all the newest. There's some new stuff on there. Go org slash NA and check it out. Really? There's new stuff? What did you put on the page? I moved some stuff around. (laughs) You gave the boxes some air? Is that what you're telling me? I had to get some of this stuff off there. It was like, like, what is this doing here? That was hard work, yeah. org slash NA. Just a reminder, this is a value-for-value model. Why? Because we can't take any advertising. It would never work for us, and we do need your money. Why? Because it's the only way we can pay the bills. It's your birthday, birthday, on no agenda. Sir James Briscoe congratulates his mom. Uh, Her birthday is on the 20th. Jason Hill says happy birthday to his uh, son, Andrew, also celebrating on the 20th. And Sir Ray Jacobson congratulates his brother, Chris, turning 43 tomorrow. Happy birthday from all of your friends at the greatest podcast in the universe, The No Agenda Show. It's your birthday, yeah. No nights. No nightage today. No nightage. Okay. No nights well, today. We need My some nights. Let's need to step up. That was a very, very weak performance that we did. Yeah. Uh, I do have some interesting uh, little sidelight stuff. Okay. Uh, I was listening to C-SPAT. Well, you were listening to Hexess Hollywood. Hexess. <laughs> well, I was. You mean while I was reading two hundred and seventy-nine pages of United Nations documents that will uh, determine yeah, how the that world one. is that's ruled. That's the best one. That's a that's a monthly uh, that that goes in the next newsletter. I'm going to uh, summarize that and put it out there. Yeah. Um, Good. So I have a. Uh, I was listening to Ray LaHood. Oh, you don't mean that guy. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm an a-hole. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on a second. All aboard. Trains good. Planes bad. You even, Once a year. You I even enunciate. That. I didn't know it was going to come now. John sent me an email. He's in one email. It's like, when I say Ray LaHood, play the jingle. Hey, let's do it again. I'll cut it out. I'll cut it out of the show. Do it no, again. you won't. Yeah, we'll do it. Dude, I'll cut so it out I was, of the show. I was, I was over at, uh, listening to C-SPAN, and guess who was on? Ray LaHood. All aboard. Trains good. Planes bad. Woo-hoo. Now, really? he kind of summarized everything with this America's one big potholes. Just play this clip, and then we'll <laughs> play the real clips. Wait a minute. America's one big pothole. Okay. Oh, lovely. America is one big pothole right now. <laughs> We have not paid attention to our roads and bridges. We haven't. <laughs> I'm going to play that at the end of the show. Hold on. That's right. That's a keeper. That's so a keeper. He, so he goes on. The guy is a, is a douchebag. Let's start with that. Yeah. He, he goes on and on about high speed. Then they're, they're grilling him about the because he's on the high speed rail thing. He won't get off of it. And so play the here's the. Uh, well, here, there's two clips I have. One is the vision. He has this vision thing about, oh, you know, we, we play the vision of Ray LaHood. Mr. Chairman. Mr. I, Chairman, can I just say one yeah, thing? Yeah. America has always been about vision, particularly when it comes to transportation. Now, I'm glad 
that when President Eisenhower signed the interstate bill, there were a few visionaries here in Congress and in subsequent administrations because what they did, they built uh, large chunks of concrete that didn't really connect for a while, but there was a vision to connect America. Fifty years later, we have a state-of-the-art interstate system because of visionaries like Eisenhower and like members of Congress. That's the kind of vision that President Obama, some governors, some people in America have for getting to the next generation of transportation, for connecting our kids and grandkids so they can get out of cars, so they can get out of congestion, so they can ride in a comfortable train that goes a decent speed. If we don't have that vision, we are going to shell really short circuit our ability to get what what other generations did for us. Well, you got a vision. It's just not connected sufficiently to reality, in my opinion. <laughs> I have a dream of a train <laughs> that goes fast. So the senator from New Hampshire starts grilling him about that. And I clipped this up a little bit so sometimes it's not going to flow properly because I had to shorten it. Uh, about the California high-speed rail. And he is so lame about this. That, and this is just a huge taxpayer scam. And let's just revisit. Play- let's just, before you play the clip, let's just revisit that uh, this thing uh, you'll actually have to get off like it's going around the mountain it's not actually going it's supposed to be california was san francisco to los angeles but it, you have to take a bus first and then you go from the bus <laughs> to the train and then you have to get off and then you got it there's not building a tunnel it's like completely nuts and for those of you who haven't been listening to the show for that long i got kicked out of my house in san francisco for this freaking project under imminent eminent domain yeah, they, they literally like tore down the building, which they is tore only, down a whole block, including a couple of historic buildings, art galleries. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was it's just unbelievable. OK, so uh, and by the way, it's still a parking lot. Oh, of course. They, no, yeah, yeah, you duh. could have been they could have left that building there and you could still be there. I mean, if you know, it's just ridiculous. So anyway, let's play the Kels High Speed Rail goes ahead. Uh, by independent individuals who've looked at it, including the state auditor, auditor who had said that the California bullet train project has become increasingly risk, risky because of uh, fiscal issues with it. Even the first phase, uh, they're concerned about it. And with respect to California, uh, the... California High Speed Rail Peer Review Review Group, which is an expert body mandated by state law, not a federal group, uh, expressed serious doubts about it and concluded that it cannot at this time recommend that the California legislature approve appropriations for the bonds of it because the project, quote, represents an immense financial risk. Why would we designate additional federal dollars for something that in California itself in looking at it has designated it an immense financial risk you don't have vision girl uh, because uh, the governor supports it because the elected <laughs> leaders there support it i just met with the 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 president uh which is called the pro tem of the senate and also the speaker of the house i just met with the governor i just met with the two sen- u.s senators from california and a lot of meetings yeah this, this is what the elected officials in california would like to do for the next generation they'd like to have passenger rail in california because why because california is one big traffic jam so you're asking they want to get people out of cars and into passenger trains you're asking the rest of the country 
to put up billions of dollars for something that has been described as an immense financial risk based on the officials of one state. Good catch, John. Now, here's the thing that's interesting that, that I think was the, the kind of the telling. He, because he wants to run a high-speed rail from San Francisco to Los Angeles to get people out of their cars because it's a big traffic jam. There is no traffic jam on Highway 5 that goes from San Francisco to Los Angeles. That thing the is completely jams are empty. All local. Yeah, it's completely empty. It's all once you get to like, uh, uh, what is it there, uh, Sherman so Oaks. Once you get to Highway 5, it is a straight shot. Yeah. You can just push it to 80 miles an hour and punch it all the way down. Yeah. There is no traffic jams until you get local. Yeah. So that's not getting people out of their cars. And how do you and get? And once fr- you get to the Los Angeles, you have to rent the car because yeah. you can't get around Los Angeles any other way. And so you're back into the traffic jam. This is bogus. Yeah, it's it's. Um, and meanwhile, it's up to a hundred billion dollars is what they estimate the cost. And the and the number one, the first thing they're going to build is Merced to Bakersfield. <laughs> Who the hell's going to go on this thing? You have to go to Bakersfield. Bakersfield has. Bakersfield has like an amusement park. There's nothing there. Bakersfield's got nothing. They got like and, a, and a guitar store. Merced's got nothing. <clears throat> no. And that's good. But are you going to get there real fast? Anyway, wow. Well, I, but I also found really interesting, and that kind of plays into our segment about the UN, where he's like, this woman basically said, it's, it won't work financially. All the numbers are in. Uh, it, it, it's a losing proposition. And he says, shut up, bitch. We want it. I talked to all, I talked to everybody. These are elected officials. Yeah, elected by idiots. How oh, we so, people, you, you gotta, you gotta vote these people out. You gotta run for office. You got, we gotta do something. This is, this is just incredible. And you're right, John. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. I lived in Los Angeles. It's totally all local. Totally. Yeah, the 405. And where are they going at 3 in the afternoon? It's always baffling to me why the traffic is so bad. If they put double-decker freeways up, it would be a better idea and it would be cheaper. And let's uh, always remember what our president said about how great high-speed rail will be. Oh, there we go. Oh, where is it? Here? Yeah. Imagine boarding a train in the center of a city. No racing to an airport. And across the terminal, no delays, no sitting on the tarmac, no lost luggage, no taking off your shoes. The shoes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Well, it won't matter because by the time this is built, you and I will be dead. So we won't, we won't be able to make him eat those words. But of course, it's bull crap. No race into the... Of course, the train leaves on time. You're going to have to catch the train. You have to race to the airport. You know, your wife is going to have to drive you. Oh, I used to take the train from Guilford to London. What a pain in the butt. And it cost 15 pounds to get a cab because, of course, they jack up the rates. And they're the only ones that can actually drive through and have a spot to drop you off. There's no other way to do it. And then they take away the bathrooms. Oh, nah, it's, it's hopeless. Well, I think it's just America's just one big pothole. So uh, <laughs> fix that. Not here in Texas, my friend. We got some beautiful potholes. Oh, they, you want to see some nice roads? Go to Alabama. Wow. Yeah. No, well, we drove through it. We know. The sh- the crappiest road was uh, the one all the way up uh, the uh, Illinois, the interstate, Obama's uh, state. Oh, that's a horrible road. It's like like you're riding moguls. Texas, beautiful. Alabama, yeah, I'm sure it's beautiful.
Okay, let's uh, do this now for a second. Follow the pipe, pipe, pipe. No, no. Only because there is international news, John. I have to do it. There's international news. So I was watching the uh, state, and this, of course, is just as much about uh, kicking China out of everywhere we want to be as it is about anything else. And so I'm watching the State Department uh, videos, uh, always always a hoot. And uh, who's this guy? Derek uh, Mitchell. And he does this short little 40-second statement. And you know, it, and you can do this at home too. You can play the no agenda, the home game, just by participating. And when you hear something you don't know about, get a freaking map and look at where it is, and then look for some news. First, uh, has to do with some developments in Kachin State, uh, specifically oh, yeah. the issue of saw, uh, humanitarian access uh, to internally displaced persons, we call IDPs. And I want to announce here that to that end, the United States is going to provide 1.5 million dollars. Uh, in additional funding to the UNHCR uh, for that purpose, to assist uh, in those internally displaced persons. The outcome of the elections, of course, are up to the people of this country. That's not what our interest is. Our oh, interest is really? the process, ah, that it be free, that it be fair, fair, that it be transparent, and that it truly represent the will of the people of this country. And we do see this, the international community, as well I know the, the citizens here, they see it as a critical moment and a marker um, towards building trust and confidence. Wow, oh, trust and confidence. Big words for sending Who a is mil- this blowhard? Yeah, he, he's from the Burma desk. The Myanmar Burma desk. So I look at the Asian Times. First hit on Google. So armed clashes between the Burma Army and the armed wing of Kachin State Independence Organization, the KIO, resumed in northern Burma on Monday after both sides failed to reach an agreement during the latest round of peace talks. Uh, so you can bet that these are uh, U.S. Pay- State Department paid for rebels who are making a muck of things because at the bottom of the article, uh, this important uh, little quote, over the past few months, heavy fighting took place often all along the KIO controlled territory between Namtu and Madoing townships in the Kachin state where the massive Shui gas pipeline project is going onward. <laughs> I mean... So this and what is a million and a half bucks? It's a payoff. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for making that hard for the Chinese. Here's your money. I don't. I mean, really, ID, IDPs, internationally displaced persons. To me, that's just a payoff, and they're lying and they're full <laughs> of crap. You know, that's the, a good one. Are you with me on that? I mean, that's yeah, bull- no, that's a bribe. Yeah. Then we have um, Syria. So uh, we had two bombings in Syria's second city. Aleppo, wow, at a security building. They don't really specify what, but obviously it's the guard gate to the pipeline. They're blowing up the pipeline in Aleppo now. It's just the news doesn't report it that way. And it's like, of all the places you can blow stuff up, uh, homes, oh, that's a good one. Uh, how about this next? Oh, yeah, let's do uh, Aleppo. Yeah, 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 yeah. No coincidence there. And then I'm watching C-SPAN, and here's our government. Here's Dick Durbin from the Democratic side of the House, and he explains why we have to go and uh, kill people, brown people uh, who live in the desert. I would say to the senator from Texas, and I'm sure he has studied this as I have, it is hard to parse out the elements in the Middle East and to decide 
who is fighting for which team. So wait a minute, Senator, Honorable Durbin, if you studied it, you can't figure it out. What are you, an idiot? You're a total dick? Oh, I'm sorry, you are, Dick Durbin. But when it comes to Syria, consistently they have allied themselves uh, with Iran. And in that alliance, uh, Iran has been very supportive of Syria and Hezbollah. Ah. In another group, terrorist group that is operating primarily through Syria. Uh, and so that close connection there is a matter of concern to me. Our goal in the Middle East is to create stability and to stop the march of these dictators uh, in the Middle East. Who are- okay. That's the goal, John. The march of the dictators? Dictators! Should we listen to General Wesley Clark again? Should we just Before listen- you do that, since you're on the Syria thing, I have to play this clip. Oh. This, is, this is a Syrian rebel. They, got, they had him on Al Jazeera, so they had this rebel... And so they asked him what he wanted. He said, well, we want arms. And so what kind of arms do you think he'd want? Do you think he wants some small weapons? It's perhaps, I mean, does he want bullets? What does he want? This is what he wants. <laughs> he has been too reluctant to seek outside military help. He says inside Syria, the fighters have urgent needs. You're asking about weapons, light weapons? Yes. Heavy weapons? Yes. No-fly zone? Yes. But no-fly zone normally means it has to be enforced. Yes, yes, That means bombing. Of course. <laughs> of course. Of course. We you want bombing. This? Yes. You want yes. that? Yes. You want bazookas? Yes. yes. You want bombs? Yes. You want military? Yes. Do you want ships? Yes. Want some hookers. Just take anything. I mean, what is this bullcrap? What type of report is this? I'll take whatever I can get. Give me that. Give me that. Give me that. Give me that now. Well, uh, so here's General Wesley Clark, and this is, uh, we've played this before. It's an evergreen, but it's important to know that this march to stop the, uh, this, uh, our job to stop the march of dictators was set up kind of around, uh, what was that, 9-11. About 10 days after 9-11, I went through the Pentagon and I saw Secretary Rumsfeld and, and Deputy Secretary Wolfowitz. I went downstairs just to say hello to some of the people on the joint staff who had used, used to work for me. And one of the generals called me and he said, sir, you got to come in. you got to come in and talk to me a second. I said, well, you're too busy. He said, no, no. He says, we've made the decision we're going to war with Iraq. This was on or about the 20th of September. By the way, I love how he says it. We made the decision. We're going on our way to Iraq. He does, he's an impression right there. He's doing an actual yeah. impression. We're, on, a, we're on our way to Iraq. Iraq. I said, we're going to war with Iraq. Why? Why? Because. He said, I don't know. <laughs> he said, I guess they don't know what else to do. So uh, I said, well, did they find some information collect- connecting Saddam to al-Qaeda? He said... No, no. He says there's nothing new that way. They've just made the decision to go to war with Iraq. He said, I guess it's like we don't know what to do about terrorists, but we've got a good military and we can take down governments. And um, he said, I guess if if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem has to look like a nail. So I came back to see him a few weeks later, and by that time we were bombing in Afghanistan. I said, are we still going to war with Iraq? And he said, oh, it's worse than that. He said, he reached over on his desk, he picked up a piece of paper, and he said, I just, he said, I just got this down from upstairs, meaning the Secretary of Defense's office today, and he said, this is a memo that describes how we're going to take out seven countries in five years, starting with Iraq and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off Iran. Love that clip. Oh, I love that clip. So uh, Amnesty International 
And I was raised with Amnesty International being like the good guys. Because, of course, I was raised in a coma. <laughs> As everyone. Yeah. And I was also raised that they're the good guys. Yeah. Uh, so they come out and they, uh, they've got a great campaign. Uh, a year has passed. I'm reading from their website. Since largely peaceful protests, largely peaceful protests, protests began in Syria in mid-March 2011. So far, well over 6,500 people are reported to have been killed. They're just making up numbers. I mean, no one is over there counting. They just, it's like, how many YouTube hits do you get? They should just say, just say a million. That sounds better. Why bother with this 6,500? Uh, many more have been injured. Tens of thousands of people are believed to have been arrested. Deaths in custody have been rocked. Oh, have rocketed. Additionally, satellite images show the shelling of residential areas and homes. Yet the international community has not effectively addressed this human rights crisis by vetoing two U.N. Security Council resolutions on Syria while continuing to supply Syria with arms. The Russian Federation's actions have only served to heighten the violence in Syria. No more excuses, Russia. Stand up against bloodshed in Syria. And I'm like, hmm, let me poke around this website. And lo and behold, Shadow Puppet Theater. Yay. Yay. Oh, yeah. Susan Nossel just became the uh, head of Amnesty International. And where is she coming from? You're going to tell me. The State Department. Oh. Yeah. She was Hillary Clinton's deputy assistant for international organization affairs. But she's a she's a winner, man. She uh, well, she was also in the uh, Center for American Progress group. Uh, better than that. Um, Human Rights Watch from the U.N. Yep. Chief operating officer and vice president of strategy and operations for The Wall Street Journal. And she worked in business development for Bertelsmann Media. Also, it was a consultant at uh, McKinsey and Company. Yeah, so she is a PR whore. That's what she does. This is just—it's just a big PR company. Susan Nozzle, Schnozzle, Susan huh. Schnozzle. I got my eye on you, girl. I'm tracking you now. Now, watch out what you're doing. And then I'll wrap this up with um, Kenya. Kind of interesting. Kenya, can you can you wrap it up? I can wrap it up. Kenyan quote fighter jets. I, I, before you wrap it up, I do one more clip. But go on. Okay, Kenyan in air quotes fighter jets bombed several military bases in the rebel-held port city of Kismayo. Of course, oh this, yeah, this yeah, was, this is another one. This of these. Was, and why is this was a, why did they stick in Kenya with this? I have not followed up on this one, but what'd you find out? Oh well. Um, <laughs> the Chinese are planning to build an oil export base in Kismayo to set up offshore oil rigs. So, and so what? The key, why are they? Blame, what's the key? Oh, the key is just proxies for some yeah, for us. Yeah, and 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 the reports are that you know they're saying oh Kenyan Kenyan jets, but of course they were U.S. jets. And the local reporting says yeah, in partnership with the United States, we bombed Al Shabab. What are we in war with Al Shabab? At least declare a war on Al Shabab. Do something. Al Shabab. Al Shabab. Was, was that the company that we were that Al Qaeda reverse mergered into? Al Shabab. Shabab. It's the um, okay. So here, uh, read this with me. China has shifted its support from the Kenyan-backed 
Azanian Liberation Force to the more savvy and experienced Ethiopian-backed TFG forces concentrated in Gado. So there's been some alliance shifting there between, I think the China's bet on the wrong horse, basically. Yeah, probably. And, and then, they, and, but, you know, they're, they're trying to grab, uh, they're trying to grab uh, the port. And then right next door in Ethiopia, the Eritrean government said Friday. Eritrean. Thank you. Eritrean. I never heard of her. I had to look it up. But it's and it's not just a hop, skip, and a jump. But Ethiopia is right next door to uh, to Kenya. Uh, said Friday that an attack on its military outpost by neighboring Ethiopia was carried out with the help of U.S. the U.S. and meant to divert attention from a decade-old uh, border dispute between the two countries. That that's uh, probably pipeline related. But there we are again. I mean, come on, get with it already. I got to get something, uh, you know, since you brought up this Susan uh, Nozzle. Schnozzle. Um, she's on the, she's affiliated scholar with, scholar with the Center for American Progress Action Fund. Yeah. And they have a bunch of experts that go out print <laughs> uh, and radio and TV and web. Oh, right. And uh, they're, yeah. So let me just name the, I'm going to read off the first names of these people. You tell me what's common about it. Katie, Christina. Laura, Anne, Lindsay, and Andrea. What is hot chicks? I don't know if they're hot or not. Just seems unusual to me that there's not that there's some sexist thing going on here, and they're just all women. That's well, see, it worked because immediately I thought, huh, yeah, baby, for you, <laughs> yeah, for me, it was great. Hmm. You had a clip you wanted to play. You said I just wanted to mention. You know, I was. I've got to actually. I can put this off to next week because I. I need, I need to think about it some more because this is the. This this all about the cybersecurity laws they're trying to pass. And, yeah. And listening to these 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 Congress people like Jay Rockefeller, oh. who obviously does they don't know anything about technology, and they're trying to scare the public. In fact, essentially, we have an nine eleven happening right before our very eyes. Listening to this guy, I'll play this clip. Which one are we playing? Jay Rockefeller is an idiot. Is the name <laughs> of the clip? <laughs> Gee, that's a good one. We've got to have. Uh, we've got to protect our federal, uh, you know, situation. Uh, their so-called dot gov. We got to. We got to do that. Um, and then we've got to have a lot of research and development. We've got to develop a lot more talent. Uh, for people who are up to speed on cybersecurity to keep up with other countries and other actors. And it's, it's, all, it's, it's critically important. And I, I compare it to 9-11. I mean, 9-11, except it's much more obvious than 9-11. 9-11, you know, you suspected that there were people coming in and out of the country. And you didn't know. You couldn't keep up with their movements, but you had a bad feeling about it. And there were... <laughs> You know, something would go on in a Minneapolis FBI station, and it wouldn't get to headquarters. And you know, and then there were, um, you know, dots to be connected, people living in certain houses in San Diego. And it was all very clear that something big was going to happen, but we didn't know. Here, we know, because it's happening. Warfare in cybersecurity is being waged, and we're losing. And... Yeah, he is an idiot. We're losing. We're losing. <laughs> talking about. Well, they have millions of hits. We're losing. 
He's just this total jabroni. And he's a Rockefeller. Hello. I know. That's what's so weird about it. What do you mean? Well, you'd think he'd have some. He would have been given an education with all the money that fa- this family has. He wouldn't be such a obvious, you know, just a obvious. He's just a cocktail party kid. All right. He and but he walks around with it. You see him on C-SPAN, and the best part of C-SPAN um, is right before a hearing starts and right after when they're all slapping each other on the back. And, hey, that was great. <laughs> yes, yeah, I did that. <laughs> and he is an arrogant, just an MF man. He's an arrogant guy. You ever get that? You ever see that? With oh him? yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. Hey, the Lindsay Lohan Red Book prediction can be crossed off the list, my friend. What was the prediction? That it would be cool and everyone would have uh, bracelets and uh, and be forced not to drink. Something like that. Yeah, it's in the last year's book. Yeah. Way back there. From the BBC. Sobriety orders now to be ordered by the government. Hello, Gitmo Nation East. Get off that island. You got to hear this. This is crazy. Offenders who commit alcohol-fueled crimes are to be monitored with ankle tags and breath-tested to ensure they stop drinking. This is, this was the thing with with Lindsay Lohan. It's not like you can't drive. Look, you... And by the way, it's only for minor crimes. Here, police will have powers to impose sobriety orders on drinkers cautioned... For minor offenses such as criminal da- damage or public disorder. So if you're out there like, ah, I'm drunk, the queen sucks, whatever. They can then take you to court and force you to wear a bracelet that monitors whether you're drinking or not. Every half hour it will check to see if there's alcohol in your bloodstream. Is this a shut-up slave or what? (laughs) The orders would allow alcohol levels to be monitored either by these tags, which test sobriety every half hour, or by requiring offenders to attend a police station daily to be breathalyzed. Another type of tag, (laughs) which, (laughs) this is great. Hey, now you're a dog, okay? Now your UK government thinks you're a dog. Another type of tag, which has been tried out in England, it's already in use, uses a GPS system which alerts authorities when people visited certain proscribed areas such as pubs. Can you just imagine that gig, John? Hey, John, we got we got Sector 5. We got a human resource. Looks like he's in the pub. Better, <laughs> better pick that mofo up. Got to go get him. Go billy club him. I mean, th- uh, uh, I'm at a loss for words. Isn't that just amazing? It's unbelievable, especially with the drinking culture. Yeah, and but for minor offenses, you know, it's like... Yeah, it, no, you, basically if you're a rowdy... Yeah. And you get, you know, the cops grab you, they can put a thing on you, can't drink anymore. They pop you. And how long is that supposed to last? Um, let me you can't see. have a drink in your own house. Let me see how... I think it... You can't have a, you can't no, have a, you can't a, have a glass drink. of beer in your own house is what they're telling me. No. Uh, four months. You have to wear it for four months. Wow. These new sobriety orders will allow us to tackle this problem more effectively and demand that binge drinkers who commit crime, such as being rowdy, sober up. <sighs> I mean, glad I left that hellhole. Can't, can't even have a drink in your own house. 
just can you imagine? Do you think they'll ever try that here? Well, they did it with Lindsay Lohan as a setup, but you think? Oh yeah, sure they will. I mean, that's what you know the whole anti-drinking crusade is all about. I mean, it's working in France for God's sake, and they're like a really you know a, a culture of people that really like to drink a lot. Yeah, and they've got they've cut way back because they're just all these these um, initiatives to keep people from drinking at all. Wow. Wow, so we'll, man. you know, we'll be easy pickings. Yeah, I mean, to me, that was just like, wow, 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 that's crazy. You know, when I was a kid, and they didn't have all these onerous laws, and you'd come, you know, I used to work on a, a graveyard shift or no, a swing shift, so you'd get off around midnight or one in the morning or two in the morning, and so on Fridays when you get off work and you start driving home, you would have a bunch of drunks on the road <laughs> you drink a beer in the car i mean like it used to be good well actually you know? they drink beers in the car in texas but oh, yeah. there, no there'd be these guys that were out now blatantly wasted mm-hmm. but you wouldn't it wasn't like you couldn't tell i mean they were all over the road they weren't trying to fake it they were just going from one shoulder to the other and you just time it and then you punch it and you get past them you <laughs> yeah. know? You just, like it, a man damn it yeah you're like a man you punch it past <laughs> them and punch you know, it. just keep going yeah Maybe flip flip him the bird or something. Hope that he he tries to do it back and crashes. Well, if you really had a sense of humor, you get behind him and start turning your highlights on and off and on and off to drive him crazy. But generally speaking, you just get by him and go home. But you know, but that's not even the point. It's like it's okay. I mean, yeah, you shouldn't drive drunk. You're a dick. Absolutely, stop that. But but to say you can't drink, it's like a detox program. Forced. Yeah, well, that's I'm, the way it is. I, I'm, but I'm flabbergasted. I don't think John. it's even remotely as onerous as this thing you just read from the. Well, no, I know, but this action is action twenty-one. Or hey, whatever we got to fill two and a half hours. Will you? Agenda twenty-one. <laughs> All right, so there's yeah. one other. There was one other thing that happened in uh, Poppy Stan, and uh, I have a little bit of analysis on this. Oh, I have the best way. Before you go into that one, I've got the best clip. So I just set it up so we know what we're talking about here. This is about uh, Sergeant Beale. Uh, no, no. Mine's, deb- mine's deb- about something completely different, and I, and I could get clip of the day. Oh, uh, I'll queue up. Hold on. We don't do anything. Let me queue up clip of the day. But you do the sergeant case. first. How can there be two clips of the day? All right. Are you sure? It happened once before. Because I might have clip of the day. Okay, maybe play it. Well, you go first, man. Go. No, no, I can't go first because mine's a punchline. It's a light oh. piece. Yours is okay. heavy. Yeah. When I end light, not heavy. <laughs> I have a light piece, too. Okay, so uh, the story that is being propagated, and uh, we talked about this uh, last week or whatever, is uh, this guy snapped. And, and, and you know, so we've read his profile now. They've, uh, they've, they've leaked his name. Everyone knows who he is. And uh, the word he even is, leaked his blog or yeah. his wife's blog. Yeah. So they, you know, the guy snapped and he went out and he killed uh, 16 people and children. Uh, now, the Afghanistan press is reporting something differently. A parliamentary probe said that up to 20 American troops were involved in Sunday's killing of 16 civilians. The probing delegation includes a whole, a whole list of lawmakers. I don't know who they are. It's all like Jirja, Abu, Latif, Padram, and all that. The team spent two days in the province interviewing the bereaved families, tribal elders, survivors, collecting evidence at the site in the Panjwai district, which, by the way, is conveniently right along the pipeline there. Um, Hamzai Lali told... Hajjok Afghan News, and this could be propaganda, but it's, it, you don't hear about this on the so-called news here. 
Their investigation showed there were 15 to 20 American soldiers who executed the brutal killings. We closely examined the site of the incident, talked to the families who lost their, lost their loved ones, the injured people and tribal elders, um, and apparently they also sexually assaulted two female victims before they were killed. Uh, the lower house of parliament parliament delegation investigated the Kandahar shootings by U.S. troops. They also found that the troops then burned some of the bodies. That's a little different story than what we're getting over here. So two things. The first thing, sorry, not just a little. Yeah, it's disturbing. You know, a lot of people are calling this like a gladio operation uh, or like operation gladio, where it's just meant to, to, to make everyone crazy and freak them out. So two clips. So the thing that got really underplayed is when Panetta went there and they uh, promptly uh, disarmed all of the Marines so that apparently no one would shoot him. I guess that's what they were afraid of. I'm just drawing a logical conclusion. But you do know that there was an attempt on Panetta's life. But that wasn't really reported. One of our producers clipped this for me. This is from Washington Week on NPR or Wash, yeah, Washington Week on NPR and they actually use one of our little quotes in this as they discuss what happened. The Pentagon tried to downplay this so much this week. It was extraordinary. We can't prove that he was going after Panetta. We well, explain you what know, happened. He was just, there, there is, Panetta's plane is landing. Right. Um, and obviously there's a lot of security. They don't usually tell people that Panetta is coming. And there were a group of, of greeters, Marines, the most senior Marine there who was, who was standing there to greet a truck had been hijacked by an Afghan interpreter. These are the most trusted people there are, the Afghans who work with the U.S. and British military over there. Hijacked the truck, went barreling towards the greeting party. And they had to jump out of the way. And then the truck ended up hitting a ditch, and the guy either burst into flames because there was gasoline in his car and he planned on trying to hit Panetta's plane, who knows? But the truth is, we will never know. But all week, all during the week, it was totally downplayed. I think it's a really yeah, serious, nothing to serious. See here. Yeah, nothing to see. There was yeah. quite a bit Don't to see. Don't look over here. Nothing to see here. Ooh, look at that. Good reporting there on NPR. Well, it sounds kind of kind of gossipy, but well, at least but, but more but interesting sound, than their normal crap. Sounds like something we would talk about. So then, uh, Morning Joe. Now, this is a fine program, journalistic integrity. They always have a whole bunch of douche knuckles sitting around the table. And Malika Brzezinski, whatever her name is. Is it right, Malika? Brzezinski's Thank you. girl. Is it Malika? I don't know. Micah? Micah, whatever. maybe. Whatever. She's an idiot. And uh, so, so the, the, they have one of their standard dudes who uh, sits at the table. His name eludes me for a moment. And he said something where I went, What? And no one questioned it. I'm like, what? Afghanistan. And the prosecution of this ought not to rest just on this soldier's shoulders. It should go right down the chain of command. How do you walk off a base in the middle of the night, walk a half a mile or three quarters of a mile into a village armed and ready to kill without anyone noticing, without anyone you know, triggering an alert? How does that happen? And what about warning signs on many levels? In this uh, New York Times report on the front page this morning, Mika, one American official says it'll be a combination when it all comes out of stress, alcohol, and domestic issues. Mm -hmm. He just snapped. And we were talking about this. I just have to say, yeah. to bring in the marital problems, yeah. to put any of this on his wife, yeah. who is now a widow with a three-year-old and a four-year-old. What? He's a wi She's a widow? 
Is the guy dead? That's very funny. No, I think it's bizarre. Yeah. So maybe he's dead. And we just haven't been told that. It's possible. That was, I was like, what? And and Malika Micah just going, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. The poor widow. Uh, widow, who's now a widow. Wow, okay. Well, let's see what happens with that. Of course, the guy with a sloppy job of, of talking, but it's yeah, possible. Yeah, yeah. But if I was sitting there, I'd go, what? Yeah, you, well, they, that's because when you're on these shows, you're not paying much attention. You're thinking you're just trying to find your close up in the in the other monitor. Make sure you look good. Yeah, that's the way. That's the problem with all these news shows and all the, the media. It's terrible. Making sure the Starbucks coffee logo is pointed towards the front because that's how you get paid extra. All right, what's your funny clip then? All right, so I uh, ran into this clip. It was a local news report. It was pushed around by someone, and. Uh, so it turns out now we're you know, the little report on the poppy fields, a little report on what we're going to be doing over there in Afghanistan with our new our soldiers going to go. They're going to we're going to two things. One, we're going to teach apparently because they don't know what the hell they're doing. Afghanis how to farm because they're idiots. Because <laughs> yeah, they don't know how to see. And they apparently they don't even dirt. know what a chicken. You know, they don't know anything <laughs> even about chickens. And it's all going to be done with the help of a few soldiers and the iPad. And an app, because there's nothing more practical than an iPad out in the middle of nowhere in Afghanistan where you can't get any connectivity anyway. But it's going to be all done with an iPad and an app, and this is all very, very interesting. Growth. Afghanistan is also the world's biggest grower of poppies used to make heroin, which in turn helps fund the insurgency. Spinach is a major uh, crop that's that's grown over there. These troops will encourage poppy farmers to grow legal crops. And here, in a climate very similar to where they're headed, they spend a week learning the basics, from planting and soil to irrigation, key ag issues that face 80% of all Afghan citizens. These units will also be able to connect extremely poor farmers with the latest technology through eAfghan Ag, an app that's linked to agriculture experts in the U.S. on hand to provide information, feedback, and possible solutions. Soldier Jared Madison says with the app, he can help diagnose a tree or even a chicken that doesn't look quite right. If it's not in the application, there's this awesome reachback function where I can take a picture of that chicken and then send it back to these guys at the USDA, or these, these guys at Fresno State, and they get back to me within 12 or 24 hours an exact answer of what's wrong with this chicken and what I can do to help them. That's awesome. It's just totally, it's totally awesome, man. This app is rocking. And by the way, it's iPad 3s. We just had got a big order of iPad 3s because they got retina screens and a high, high, lots of megapixels in the camera so that I can see the chicken. Is this the stupidest thing you've ever heard in your life? What was this on? What channel? It was on the local news. Wow. Well, of course, but it's just a promotion for the iPad. Yeah, no, it's a promotion for the iPad. That's the point. But it's like, do they actually think that these guys can get to, uh, I, I don't know, how's my LTE 3G, 4G connection here out in the middle of nowhere, well, Afghanistan? Well, you, you, I will say you'd be amazed. There are five big major, uh, you know, they probably have better connectivity there than we have here, honestly. Well, I'm not so sure. Whatever the case is, I don't see him taking a picture of a chicken. <laughs> And then waiting 24 hours to get the results saying the chicken's got mange. Hey, that chicken, man, he's, he's not walking right. Send me a the, video. Take a picture of the chicken and send it to Fresno State. Chicken don't look right, man. It's like, 
<laughs> Take a picture with your iPad and the app. The aggro. Go to aggroapp.com. Yeah. Yeah, man. Hey. Hey, listen. You Afghan. You numb knuckle. Put seed in dirt. Put water on dirt. There you go. I taught you how to grow, brother. This is so stupid. Oh. Anyway, that's my funny yeah, clip. Yeah, it's not clip of the day. No, you're the clip. It's, it's more good. clip of the day-ish. It's good, but it's not. it doesn't quite qualify. Um, there was just one last thing I wanted Probably to... Probably the pothole clip was better in terms of its conciseness. Pothole clip was good. Yeah. yeah it was good. Um, what did I have here? Uh, that can wait for Thursday. That can wait for Thursday. We got UFO stuff. I can do a, give you some UFO stuff. Yeah, Thursday. Yeah, because it's it's about uh, Washington State actually, which is kind of cool. Is there yeah. UFOs up there? Yeah. Mm. So I'll, I'll get to that on as a teaser. Uh, but a letter was sent to uh, the general. And that's how we call him, Attorney General Eric Holder. Sent by uh, two Democrats, Ron Wyden and Mark Udall. They're both Democrats, right? I think so. I I believe so. Wyden is is always complaining about stuff. And Udall is he powerful? Does he have any juice? No, I this, think Udall does. I think they both do. They're very high Udall, seniority. Udall guys. has some juice. I know he has some juice. That Wyden does too. So we've been waiting for some uh, Democrats to start attacking Holder, and this may be the start of it. They sent a, a letter, uh, these two senators, uh, powerful senators, uh, on March 15th. Are they senators or are they uh, senators? Senators. So they're powerful. Okay. Wyden and Udall, both United States senators. I, I, have, I have the PDF of the letter. All right. So it's a, it's, I have the actual letter in PDF form. Uh, we have discussed, uh, Dear Attorney General Holder, hey, Eric, how you doing, bro? We have discussed the dangers of relying on secret interpretations of public laws with you on multiple occasions, both through correspondence and in person. While we know that you are generally aware of our views on the subject, we feel obliged to comment specifically on the Justice Department's recent attempt to seek dismissal of two lawsuits that have been filed under the Freedom of Information Act that specifically pertain to the problem of secret secret law. I'll skip ahead. To the pertinent parts, and this is a PDF in the show notes, 3902.nashownotes.com, marked up for your convenience. We believe most Americans would be stunned to learn the details of how these secret court opinions have interpreted Section 215 of the Patriot Act. As we see it, there is now a significant gap between what most Americans think the law allows and what the government secretly claims the law allows. This is a problem. Why? Because it is impossible to have an informed public debate about what the law should say when the public doesn't know what the government thinks the law says. Skipping ahead. A number of senators, uh, there was another letter signed by 12 senators, who are familiar with these secret legal interpretations, including the two of us, have pressed the executive branch to declassify these interpretations so that Congress and the public can have an informed debate about the proper scope of the law. We have personally raised the issue in meetings, hearings, and correspondence. The crux of the Justice Department's argument for keeping the official interpretation of the law secret is that this secrecy prevents U.S. adversaries from understanding exactly what intelligence agencies are allowed to do. <laughs> we see this as equal to the, to the KGB in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> 
We hope you will reconsider the Justice Department's stance on the issue of secret legal interpretations as we continue to believe that this stance is contrary to the core principles of American democracy. I'm very, I'm very happy about these guys. This is a, this is good. That is good. And for, you know, and uh, I like these. It's Wyden and Udall. So they're, you know, these are kind of good guys, I guess. I would say don't take any small airplane rides. Would be my uh, <laughs> yeah, both of them. <laughs> that would be my especially recom- together. That would be my recommendation. Oh, what a shame! <laughs> it's amazing. It just it just blew up in midair and went down in flames. I have no idea how it happened. And there you have it. There are some good people out there. They're trying, but not very hard. So it looks like John will be putting together an executive memo with regard to the mailing list. And uh, you can sign up for that uh, anywhere in the show notes, uh, 3902.nashownotes.com, noagendashow.com. Of course, uh, we have a store at noagendanation.com. You can always uh, pick something up from there. And uh, I guess we'll be back on uh, Thursday with more media assassination. So we'll be looking out and see what people are doing, bringing you real information. And I'll be doing it here from Camp Mofo in Austin, Teja, in the Drone Star State. In the morning to y'all, my name is Adam Curry. And uh, from northern Silicon Valley where uh, it's, not, uh, it's not the kind of weather I'm looking for. It's got the jet stream hitting us. It's freezing out. Uh, I'm going to actually take a run up to uh, Washington State next week. Uh, I'm John C. Dvorak. All right, everybody. Remember, org slash NA. Support this program. We need all the help we can get. America is one big pothole right now. We have not paid attention to our roads and bridges. We haven't. org slash NA.